Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. So it's the 30th, tomorrow the 31st, and then we go into the 1st. I tend to forget I'm sort of working other end of the day to you, so I'm sort of sleeping at the time that you're probably sort of just partying, and uh, that's the way it works. What's the difference between men's and women's tennis balls? We'll tell you this morning. The tragedy of the woman so desperate to marry and couldn't find anybody, she actually took her own life. It's terribly tragic. Swear Grills, the reality show, has 95 swear words in 45 minutes. It's getting worse on television, isn't it? Wilson Cater on holiday again. Oh, good Lord, again. He's just come back from, uh, from his ex's wedding. Didn't take her. But now they're both jetting off to, uh, to India. It's one long holiday for the royals, isn't it? And the single mum who fakes the pregnancy. And how do you live with facial hair, ladies? All of that and more between now and 6.30 this morning. Being a Wednesday, being a particularly nice day. I like, uh, I like Wednesdays. Uh, Paul Gazza, the boar Gascoigne, explains his booze relapse. Uh, to be honest with you, I really couldn't give a forex. I couldn't really care less. The cat has an operation. A cat has an operation. £4,000 operation. See, people spend a lot of money on, uh, on pets, which is good. David Walliams' future on Britain's Got Talent is in doubt. I suppose because they probably haven't got round to contract time yet. Uh, Abby Clancy, on a beach, takes her own photographer. What a dreary little bore she is. I mean little. I really mean little. She's about as big as, uh, as Tom Thumb. And uh, television chiefs want Robbie Williams to entertain on The Voice. New low in television, as far as I'm concerned. He can't get arrested, can he? I mean, he really cannot get arrested. He's not touring. He's not doing anything. He's just sitting at home, twiddling his thumbs, while his wife has to call him... What does she have to call her? I can't remember what it was now. Something ridiculous like, oh, right, you're a national treasure. A national treasure. Good Lord. Um, who's the idiot Brit pictured with a suicide hijacker? I mean, quite clearly, he's got to be the dumbest person you've ever seen. He looks like a bit of an idiot. So you've got somebody pretending to be a hijacker who just wants to see his wife. He's, he's, he's not just an idiot. He's obviously got psychological problems. And uh, he then tried to run off. He wasted everybody's time. I'd sling him in prison for 15 years. Leave him there. Leave him there. We don't care about him. Idiots like that. So people didn't know if they were going to be blown up. He wanted to fly the plane onto somewhere else, and they went, nope. Obviously, by that time, somebody had realised that the suicide belt he was holding was, in fact, phone cases glued to a, a piece, of, piece of leather. And, uh, as I say, a very stupid man. But he managed to get through security. So, obviously, security is balmy, bad, and as useless as we always thought it was. It's only in other countries, but especially if you're flying into, into some places, they just don't bother with security. They just sit there looking bored, because they don't know what to look for either, do they? So he sort of manages to get through security, gets on the plane, and then he announces he's got a suicide belt. He's going to blow it up unless they go to Cyprus. I mean, to be honest with you, I'd have said, well, blow it up then. You know, if you want to go to Cyprus, go to Cyprus. You know, just get on a plane and go to Cyprus. He's, I mean, he's obviously simple, isn't he? He's got a few little problems emotionally. And it turns out he just wanted to see his wife. No suicide belt. But there's this stupid Brit who's been photographed with him grinning. I mean, the man's either a complete idiot uh, or he's a simpleton. I can't quite work it out. And there's a picture of him. His name is, uh, is Ben. Uh, ben Watt, we'll find out in a moment. Even his friends have described him as a bit of a lunatic. And so he was pictured with this bloke who doesn't even look like a suicide bomber. He just looks like a complete and utter prat, I'm afraid. And that's putting it politely. But nobody saw through him. And then uh, his name is Mustafa. 
must have a leak, I suppose. And uh, off he goes, and he uh, he sort of pretends he's this. He's not a terrorist, as the everybody said. He's just an idiot. But the trouble is, a dangerous idiot. So uh, I suggest prison for a long, 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 long time. And let's chuck in the idiot Brit with him as well. Another buffoon. God in heaven. Mind you, even more bizarre is this story from uh, from America by one of Elton John's guards. Only in America do they come up with, you know, there are, there are two stories in the papers today. Uh, one is of a woman who was breastfeeding in a cafe in Islington. It's a restaurant. I think there's about four in the chain. And somebody came over, the waiter or somebody like, they could have been the manager, I've got no idea. And uh, she starts breastfeeding. There's hardly anybody in there. And he goes, excuse me, could you move to the back of the restaurant? Little bit embarrassing, getting your boobs out. Okay, can you move to the back of the restaurant and do it over there? Anyway, she, she then does, as all these people do, goes into meltdown. Goes, it apparently bursts into tears. She said, I felt humiliated. And it, Why did you not just give him a mouthful and just go, why don't you off? You know, and make a big deal about it. Don't sit there and do the girly stuff of bursting into tears. Because that's just stupid. You know, if you're as tough as I think you are, you must be. You've gone to the newspapers and you've done the story. So why not turn around to him and go, you what? Who do you think you're talking to? Make a big deal about it. Make a big deal about it. Call the police. Do whatever you want to do. Don't sit there like a wuss and go, oh, I can't believe Now she says she's too embarrassed to go out because she feels people are looking at her. Well, I wouldn't know her from Adam. Not that her name's Adam, but I mean, I don't know what, not what her name is. I've got no idea. And I don't really care. I'm just thinking, why don't these people stand up to these idiotic men? The restaurant chain has now apologised and said the manager will be disciplined. Well, quite clearly, he's not fit for purpose. Get rid of him. Get rid of him. Give her free meals for a year and have done with it. You know, it was like the uh, the woman in Primark. Oh, my baby was ripped from my breast. Turned out she had a few issues mentally and she turned out to be a liar, so they dragged her into court. But, you know, in this particular case, shout at the waiter. Shout at the... Make a big deal about it. Rip your clothes off. Stand there and go, and what is so offensive about these? Oh, I'd have had a field day. Mind you, I can't breastfeed anyway. Not that I've tried, but I'm just sort of saying to you that, you know, in the scheme of things, why do they sit there and go, I felt humiliated. Stand up for yourself. I bet if you'd stood up for yourself, other people in the restaurant would have gone and given you a huge round of applause. So there you go. That's my advice. The other one is the story of Elton John, who is uh, who it is being claimed by uh, a security man. I always thought they were a bit butch. I'm sorry, I've obviously got the wrong end of the stick. I thought that if you employed security, they were big and tough, and they ate, you know, Yorkies and they had three shredded wheat for breakfast, and they they turn out to be real wusses in America. This one, Elton John twists his nipples, okay, like tweaky, 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 and then goes, you gorgeous thing, you. Well, that's sentiment of meltdown. Sentiment of meltdown. And he apparently said, go on, get your old thing out, get it out. You know, any normal person would tell me to go, oh, go away, you silly, fat, balding queen. You know, that's what they would have said. Not this one. I've been hurt. Listen to this. this. These are the hurt words that have been used in the court papers. This is in America, so it makes no difference at all. But th- this, this is what the guard suffered. I mean, he must be the biggest... F- well, anyway. Physical, mental and emotional injuries. Pain, distress, suffering, anguish... Fright, nervousness, grief, anxiety, worry, shame, mortification, injured feelings, shock, humiliation and indignity, as well as unpleasant physical, mental and emotional reactions, damages to reputation and other non-economic damages in a sum to be ascertained according to proof. Dear God in heaven, where do they get you from? 
Where did they get you from? And that's because he twisted your nipples and said, you gorgeous thing, you. Girl, blimey, matey. You must be... I hope you never work again. Because you're quite clearly too stupid. Because Elton John, well-known spinster and homosexual of this parish, goes out there and goes, you gorgeous thing, you. Admittedly, I'm quite surprised that Elton would ever say that. I don't think he'd say that. I don't think it's in his repertoire. I think the only person gorgeous in Elton's life is Elton. I don't, I'd think he looks in the mirror and goes, together we are beautiful. And I think that's as far as it goes. I don't think he sees anybody else's beauty. And he's just, he's doing a bit of mild flirting with somebody. And he then goes into meltdown. What sort of security man are you? Do you think if somebody comes up and tries to sort of attack out and you go there, don't touch him, don't touch him, please. Distress. I've never heard of such a thing. Never heard of such a thing. And Elton tried to, they say in this court paper, tried to grab his, his lower bits. I mean, true. Honestly, I mean, based on this thing, the producers got me over a barrel. I mean, you know, I mean, d- this morning, I mean, it's we, we talk about all sorts of things. We were talking about cake this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, he's not doing that story, goes the producer. He's just now fallen off the chair. I am. I am doing that story this morning. <laughs> somebody always said to me, don't, you know, I'm going to tell you this. And I said, please, please don't tell me anything. Because you know at some point in the programme, it's going to pop up. I mean, if we're lucky. And uh, <laughs> which brings us back to the cake again. But I'm not going to do that story. I'm, not, I'm going to protect his. But he was he was telling me that he um, he went out to Winter Wonderland. Oh, we're not doing that story either. OK, we're not doing any stories. I mean, there's going to be no conversation, is there, by next week? We're not going to be. Oh, he's not here next week, are you? You're not here next week, are you? Are you flying off to Oz? Flying off? Thursday, you're flying off. Oh, right, you're back. How long are you away for? Oh, two. Oh, right. OK. Right. So you're in this coming... Monday, Tuesday, and then following Thursday, you're off. He's packed his flip-flops. So exciting. So, thong. They're called thongs, are they? Because of that... Oh, right. Oh, I thought they were just called flip-flops. Like the rest of the world calls them. Only in Australia. We call them thongs. No, a thong is something different. You know, you know what a thong is, don't you? Oh, right. Oh, we're not using that word on the programme. Good Lord. In every... Like a G-string, yes. A G-string. And, uh, but that, that's what they call them over there. Anyway, so all very exciting. Uh, Chris Eubank makes all the papers. If, I, if, if it was my son, I'd have thrown in the towel, blah, blah, blah. Chris Eubank and this boxing fight. I suppose there are calls, aren't there? Do we ban boxing? Uh, because every time, you know, I mean, somebody here says, you play rugby, football and cricket, but you don't play boxing. It's not a game. The idea is to hurt the person you're fighting. That is the object. You see, in, in rugby, football and cricket... You play to win. You score goals or you hit the ball far. In, in, in boxing, the idea is to knock the person out. You want to physically do them damage. You're not dancing like a pair of pansies around the ring. You're, dan- you know, you're not dancing. You're, but you're, you're deliberately setting out to cause them injury so that you win the fight. And, and I don't quite understand it. I know people who box and, uh, and they're all very lovely. But I just don't quite understand it. I don't quite get it. As a fitness thing, I can understand it. But I don't understand why you'd ever want to do it to physically inflict damage on somebody else. I was watching one of these um, programmes the other day, which was World's Most Shocking Videos, where people sort of come into a shop to rob it, and they think they're being very clever. and uh, And the bloke behind the counter gets out, as he did in this particular case, a baseball bat. He leaps over the counter and he thwacks this, this, uh, this thief who can't get out of the shop quick enough. And, of course, I'd be doing the same thing. And there was another one. The, uh, the bloke tries to rob him. Open the till. Open the till. And so he opens the till, and as he reaches round, the bloke behind the counter goes round the counter, gets out a gun and shoots him. 
again, he runs like a scared girl. It's a, but we, we watch these programmes now, don't we? And we think, oh, that's really entertaining. That's really good fun. We're at the same time thinking, this world's gone completely mad. Some of the stories that we've got for you this morning, you seriously can't believe that we're actually in, in this country at this particular time. I mean, a woman who is so desperate to get married, and she's really attractive, but because she can't find anybody... Yeah, she hangs herself. She's so depressed. Now, that, that isn't just somebody desperate to marry. That's somebody who's got emotional issues. You know, this Nick the Fantasist, the one who claims that he saw children being murdered, he might be investigated by the police. What do you mean, might be investigated by the police? He absolutely should be investigated by the police. They seem to take what he said as, uh, as reality. And so they interview all these people. I mean, quite clearly, most of them were dead, so that wasn't actually possible. So instead, they, they pick on Harvey Proctor. Totally innocent, no charges, nothing. Nothing at all. No apology from the police. The only reaction from the police was, we had a duty to investigate it. Well, I mean, surely use a bit of common sense. Surely. There's also the single mum who faked pregnancy. I mean, you can't believe that these people are out there, but they are. Gaza explains his booze relapse. Uh, and William Shatner sued by his lost son for 120 million. I mean, sorry, you're, you're my father and I want 120 million. Well, I don't think I am your father. They'd have to have a DNA test, wouldn't they? It'd be like the Jeremy Kyle show. See it yesterday? Pitifully awful. Pitifully awful. One show was interesting. Uh, it's quarter past four. Every weekday morning from seven, only on LBC. Excuse me, I'll be back in a few minutes. <laughs> on Nick Ferrari at breakfast, questions about security at Egyptian airports are being asked after a man smuggled a fake suicide belt onto the plane months after a homemade bomb brought down a Russian passenger aeroplane. How worried should we be? That's Nick. Well, you can't, can you? I mean, I've said before, how can you worry about it? You don't know, do you? Unless you're standing there at security. Uh, Nick, at seven after morning news with Lisa Aziz, David Wooding, Sun on Sun's political editor, will be looking at the papers this morning. So what have we got? So we've got uh, last day of the month tomorrow. Then we're into April, which is April showers, which means it's going to rain again. And it's just ridiculous, isn't it? And uh, Daz says, I reckon the referee didn't stop the match because the poor guy wasn't meant to go down till the ninth round. To be honest with you, I've never known so much coverage uh, for a boxing match. Have you? I mean, it's only because it's Chris Eubank. If it was just two other people, it would be it would be quite normal, wouldn't it? They just go, oh, it was another boxing match and somebody's in an induced coma. I don't know why, you know, people actually really go to it. I mean, it, be- it becomes a little bit macabre as far as I'm concerned. But it's only because, A, I don't box and B, I was never particularly bothered about it ever since I saw how much damage it can do to people and how mad they really are. I mean, you know, poor old uh, Frank Bruno... I mean, again, most of the people he was fighting, they dug them up in cemeteries or found them in old people's homes. And they sort of bring them out. It's a, it's a very odd world, the world of boxing. And then they give them these huge belts, and this Lonsdale belt, and it looks, looks amazing, and everybody's very happy. And then you look at Frank, who's been sectioned, and he's had emotional problems. I mean, he didn't have them before he started the boxing. And so lots of people suffer with these things. And we seem to... I mean, they don't show it as much on the television as they used to, except for this morning I happened to turn on the telly, and there it was... Again, boxing on the television. With people I didn't even know. They go, oh, this person's a, a light welterweight boxer or middleweight or something. And I don't understand. There's so many different things. All I know is that the only time Frank Bruner ever fought anybody who was on the same level, he got knocked out very quickly in Las Vegas. And that was with, uh, with Mike Tyson. 
And that's about as far as I know. I don't know anything else about boxing. Couldn't really care less, actually. I'm not bothered about Chris Eubank. I'm not bothered about his son. I'm not bothered about anything at all. I just, I just don't quite understand why we have it. And then people get really seriously injured. And you ask yourself, you know, is it safe anymore? I mean, how long before somebody, you know, is seriously damaged? Well, we've had the seriously damaged, haven't we? Over the years, we've had a, a couple of people who have been very, very seriously hurt. And you think, it's because people, you know, you look at... I don't know if you've ever seen Frank... Uh, Frank Bruno up close. He's big. He's big. He hits you. You're going to go down, aren't you? Well, you are if you've come out of a Mexican care home. But uh, it's. It, I just think the whole thing is slightly disturbing. Slightly disturbing. I mean, I might be wrong. I might be wrong about it. I might be thinking, oh, you know, there are ways of fighting somebody so that it's safe. But I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I've heard about this cage fighting, bare-knuckle boxing... I've seen, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of numpties going around doing it. I mean, the cage fighting, I never quite understood at all. Wasn't that uh, cross-dresser that, um, that Jordan married? Wasn't he supposed to be a cage fighter? His career disappeared faster than he did, actually. Uh, what with what seems to be a year-on-year dumbing down and ever-increasing stupidity, do you think we as a species will actually reach the next century? I really despair, says James. I can't believe some of the stories in the papers today. I mean, th- there are people out there who are actually really nice and who care, and, and then there's people who don't care. And so you've got stories in the papers today about people who come to this country and, uh, and they thieve and they rob and they murder and uh, they rape and we don't do anything about it. Prime Minister swans around like there's nothing going on. Uh, we're about to lose thousands and thousands of jobs in the steel industry. Nobody even knew about the steel industry in this country until people started talking about it and then Tutter Steel... Uh, which is closing down operations. Now they're looking to sell the thing over here and thousands of people could be put out of work. It's it's like going back to the miners' strike again. And then I heard some lady who'd sent in a text, I think, to Darren Adam, saying it was the government's fault. Don't think it's got anything to do with the government. Don't think it's got anything to do with the government at all. I think it's got to do with people trying to produce something as cheaply as they can and this country is obviously not the place to do it. So they go and get it done cheaper. We've had it. It's over the years. It's over the years. I mean, anybody will remember, and Darren was telling you earlier on, that there was that, uh, that time where people said, you're not going to buy a British car, are you? And they went, yeah. And they go, wouldn't buy a British car. Foreign cars are much better. Better made, better quality. And you sort of think to yourself, well, you, you might be right there. Now, we're sort of, hopefully, we've swung back the other way. But it's, it's ridiculous. I was looking at an advert. They had a big advert uh, because they brought out a new burger at Burger King. Of all things. And it gets loads of coverage in the paper because this one apparently has got some jalapeno sauce in it. Like, it's a load of old claptrap, isn't it? It's just flogging you a burger. And I looked at the picture of it and then I thought, these bear no resemblance to the thing that ends up on your plate. You know, the buns are all squashed down because they stick them in a microwave. You know, when you see the picture of it, oh, it's beautifully layered. And you think, but that's been created in a, in a photographic studio. <laughs> in a photograph... <laughs> sorry. Every so fit round here. I think I might wear shorts tomorrow. I don't know. I'll think about it. <laughs> Steve Allen goes out for nine-second run. Yep, I can make it to the loo and get back in time for the programme. Actually, I must be really good because I can literally come back into the studio with my cup of coffee at, uh, at five o'clock. Literally, just as it's coming out of the news into the weather. I don't know how it works. Um, it's, yeah. And that's including going there, making my coffee going to the toilet, coming back, having a little chat with somebody, and then managing to get back in here. And I don't even look at the clock. It's un- uncanny, isn't it? Occasionally, my other producer, Big Chris, he, um, he, he sort of shouts. My other producer, Will, used to shout. He'd open the door and go, Steve! And I'd have to sort of run. Well, in my, in my case, sort of skip. I, didn't, I don't do running. I'm not... Uh, if ever I see the bus coming and I'm going to miss it, I don't have to miss it. 
Because if I run, I just look stupid. I'm not, you know, some people look very good when they're running. But, you know, when you get a bit older, you don't look good when you run. And yet, when you think about it, I used to be terribly fit. You know, nowadays, there's all these young people around here and they're all fit. And, and I used to be like that. But then I think you get to the stage where you think, oh, I can't be bothered. Can't be bothered. Kevin Maguire, I saw yesterday, he said, uh, what are you doing today, Steve? Will you be going to the Barmy Arms? So I suddenly realised, I think Kevin Maguire must live round my way. I shall be stalked by Kevin Maguire, which is, uh, which is no, no bad thing at all. We will tell you the, uh, the Gaza story. And how he uh, he fell off the wagon. Apparently he's all back normal again. Well, I don't believe a word he says. I've heard it three million times. Really don't care anymore. It's all a little bit worrying. Uh, Wills and Kate. So he's only just come back from one holiday. And now they're going off again. I think in uh, April. So in a matter of days. He will be uh, going off on his holidays. And they're going to go to where Diana went. It's just claptrap. It's just boring old puff, isn't it? PR puff. He's come back from the wedding of an ex-girlfriend. Slightly disturbing. I've checked on the etiquette. And apparently, if you're married and, uh, and you, your ex-girlfriend invites you to the wedding, it's protocol to take your wife. You don't go by yourself. Uh, but, of course, William being William, he does what he wants to do. His father does what he wants to do. Harry, of course, Harry, strangely, while Wills is away, Harry, who's jetted back from that exhausting trip to Nepal, where he got covered in paint and had some photos taken and uh, touched a baby and did all sorts of things, you know, because he's caring... And so he's now with with Wills's wife. He's being sort of Uncle Harry. You're kind of getting the feeling, aren't you, that Harry's kind of, why don't you just go away and find your own friends to play with? He's hanging around with them too much. So everywhere where Wills and Kate go, Harry's right behind them. Yes, he trots along like Billy No Mates. It's getting embarrassing. Perhaps his friends are just drunks. Perhaps he doesn't have any normal friends that can be taken out, because I don't think I've ever seen him do anything at all. When he went to Wills's uh, wedding, and he was best man, you know, there was no girlfriend there for him to talk to. Uh, he has, uh, I mean, I'm led to believe that he does have a fairly active little sex life, because he takes them back to St James's Palace. But he doesn't seem to take them out to anything at all. He just tags on behind his brother. Which is funny, isn't it? Because most people going, if you were going to pick one out of the two, you'd pick Harry as being, you know, up for a bit of fun and all that kind of thing. And William would be the boring one. Now it's William who's got the two kids. Harry trailing behind with nobody at all. Nobody on the horizon he's going to get married to. No children. I mean, he's, he could be the eternal old, old man in the family who just doesn't get married. He could be, you know, single yet happy. Could be. I don't know. But he just seems to be there all the time, so they say so. While William's away, he's entertaining George and his sister. And you think, do you not think that's up to the mother? So the mother didn't go to South Africa because she had to look after the kids, and yet, uh, presumably, they're going to take them, or are they not going to take them, over to India? It's, it's another thing. It's just a way of getting them out of the country. And so they go, look, they're really doing something, and they're trying to win over all the people who liked Diana. They're going, oh, and they'll go to the Taj Mahal because we had a picture of Diana at the Taj Mahal and they'll have a picture taken there as well. It's called PR. I understand exactly how it works and uh, and I just don't like it. I don't like it at all. I really don't. Uh, this breastfeeding thing is becoming a joke. Every, every week somebody says we hear a new story. No, we don't. I've not had a breastfeeding story for weeks, weeks on this programme weeks but I wanted this woman to stand up and make you know and do something in this restaurant it's a chain well I say it's a chain they've got four but you know stand up don't sit there and sort of just take it because some bloke says can you move to the back of the restaurant stand up and go what is your problem 
I always find it slightly disturbing that some poor woman's got to go and breastfeed sitting in a restaurant all by her little lonesome. Don't these people have partners or friends they can go out with? She's sitting in a restaurant by herself, breastfeeding. How many people sit in restaurants by themselves? Everybody goes out with other people. If I'd been sitting with her, I'd said, excuse me, mate, what are you talking? Why are you, are you stupid or something? I'd have videoed it. I'd have put it, I'd have made it go viral. I'd have embarrassed them so much they'd have been offering her the restaurant to take away. Seriously, every, you know, it's just, it's got to stop. It's got to stop now. The restaurant have apologised, but and they said the manager would be disciplined. Pfft, I'm expecting a sacking at the very outside. We'll name and shame this morning on LBC. It's news time, 4.30. The latest headlines for you. It's Charles Rowe. Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Hello. 27 minutes to five. Steve Allen's early breakfast. Of course it is. You know it is because you're part of the spike and that's, uh, and that's good. So, to the breastfeeding, I want people to start getting very angry. I want people to start getting very angry and start challenging these people. Start challenging them. I mean, how dare they say to somebody, move to the back of the room. It's like, I read a story a while ago, which I told you about some poor lad who is diabetic and he, uh, he injected in a restaurant. Now, if you inject as a diabetic, I promise you, you can do it so discreetly, you wouldn't even know somebody was doing it. But anyway, in this particular case, they saw him doing it. You know that I've sat next to somebody and he injected in a, in a cocktail bar. He was with his girlfriend and he injected. But he injected actually in his shoulder, and I've never heard of injecting in your shoulder. I just do top of legs and either side of your belly button, which is like most people. And uh, anyway, so we, we started talking about it. But this particular guy was in a restaurant with his parents, and he was about 13, and he injected, and they complained. They said, if you want to inject, can you go into the toilet? And you think, what? Well, you're going to make diabetics feel as though they're third-class citizens. You know, I deliberately, if ever I'm out at a pub in the summer, and I've had a few sherbets, I inject in front of everybody. I love it. People go, you're not going to inject. Yep, sure am. And you get the, uh, the, the, the thing out with your insulin. You put the needle onto the top of it. You take the thing off. You push a little bit, like they're doing all the best things, you know, to get the air out. And then you just, you can either lift up your shirt a little bit and just inject. Or some people do it through their trousers. I've never done it through my trousers. Mine's only a, a four millimetre needle. So they're not, they're not very big. It's a very small but you do feel it sometimes. I do, anyway. And, um, and so you do that, and then people go, oh, God, you're... people are fascinated by it. Although, if I watch it on the television, I have to look away. It's funny, I inject every day, but I cannot watch somebody being injected, especially if it's somebody having a blood test. I have to look away when I'm having my blood test, because we, we look at my arm, and I can't see the vein. So they strap your arm up, and then all of a sudden the vein becomes a bit prominent. And last time I had it done on my left arm because you can see the vein a bit easier. And they, the needle is huge. I mean, it's like 10 feet long, this needle. And they sort of inject into you and you think, and I have to look the other way. They go, just a little scratch. You go, oh, God. And once, once the needle's in, I'm fine. I'm fine with the needle, but it doesn't bother me. It's the going in of the needle. It's like when you go to the dentist and they go, I'll just numb you up. And you go, oh, God. Why can't they just do pain-free dentistry? Why can't they just, you know, put you out? I did go out once. They, I did ask if I could have uh, an injection. They gave me a Valium injection, sent me to sleep. But, of course, the problem with an injection is, which sends you to sleep in the dentist, your mouth closes and they can't open it. And so what they have to do is they have to put, like, a thing in your mouth which keeps your mouth open. But I have a gag reflex, so this metal thing that goes in there, which they screw in and it keeps your mouth open so they can do all the work, is really difficult. Why does Chris Eubank always get on my nerves? Why does he sit there, you know, looking as though he knows what he's talking about all the time? And he's just irritating. Do you remember when he went on Mrs Merton's show 
And he turns up with his monocle in, his, uh, his little cane and a briefcase. I mean, perhaps it contained his sandwiches or something. Anyway, he goes on there and she starts asking him questions. And then, in, and he's just being really stupid. And so at one point she turns to him and she says, come on, Chris, it's a chat show. You're supposed to talk. And of course, he doesn't. He doesn't. And uh, it made him out to be really stupid. And then when he, we discover that he goes up and down Brighton Seafront in his huge truck and he's got a little scooter that he pedals up and down, he hands out signed autographs. I mean, he's quite clearly not the full shilling, is he? He's not the full ticket. But it's this sort of, this sort of poncy little way of... He thinks this is obviously what rich people are like. But, of course, they're nothing like that at all. Nothing like it. Uh, what else do we have? So, apart from the Elton John, and, of course, I mean, I should imagine Elton is apoplectic... This it's in America, and it's a security man, a man hired as a minder. Well, quite clearly, clearly is the wussiest minder. I mean, I just don't understand. You know, if Elton John wants to flirt with somebody, and he wants to say to him, "Get your what's it out," or tweaks his nipples, or something like that. I mean, you know, it's. Perhaps somebody sees that as being sort of terribly disruptive, and it's you know that's groping and that's inappropriate. I mean, I just see it as a bit of light-hearted fun, little little bit of banter. You know, but then I suppose Elton is a married man and shouldn't be doing things like that. I mean, that would sort of destroy somebody's reputation. He's in a he's in a very strong relationship with uh, with David Furnish and they've got two adorable children. And, uh, you know, anything like this would tarnish his reputation. They'd be going, but he's a he's a happily married man. You know, he wouldn't be flirting with somebody else, would he? And you'd be going, well, no, I don't think so. He said he's going to fight it tooth and nail. Which, think, which is what you would do, wouldn't you? If somebody makes a claim against you, like Harvey Proctor yesterday on LBC, some, some idiot makes claims, which the police investigate, that Harvey Proctor has been witness to this, that and the other. I mean, things that are so fantastic, they can only have come from either a fantasist or a compulsive liar. And the police investigate it. And then no apologies afterwards. But they don't do apologies, do they? They don't do apologies. I just don't... Don't, don't quite get it. Don't quite get it. Uh, EasyJet passenger. So some bloke turns up to fly EasyJet. Da, 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 da. I always say, if you're flying EasyJet, you're doing it because you're cheap. You know, you're not flying because it's luxury. It's basic. You know, sometimes, you know, you get on there, you have to pay extra for this. And he gets a £46 excess baggage charge, which is probably more than the cost of the ticket. And he decides that he's not going to pay it because he's tight, really tight. So he takes everything out of his suitcase and he puts it on. I mean, how stupid would you be for that? It's 46 quid, And I think he was going skiing. Or something, and um, and he didn't he didn't want to pay, he didn't want to pay at all. So he he decided to stand there and put all these all these clothes on, and I don't quite understand why you'd why would you I mean why don't you just sort of throw the clothes away, because nothing you know if you really can't afford that then I, f- I feel immensely sorry for you, but that's what he did. So he puts all his all his clothes on, and then he doesn't have to pay the forty six quid. I thought the whole idea of going on holiday was you've saved up for it. You might as well enjoy every minute of it and really have a nice time. And we do that, don't we? I think the one thing they should do at the airport, though, in the light of people taking off planes drunk at nine in the morning, is stop serving alcohol at the airport. If you cannot survive, you know, a a two-hour flight without sort of getting yourself tanked up, well, then you've got major problems. You need to go and see a doctor or get some sort of help. You know, sit on the plane, have a... You know, you don't need to have alcohol. I mean, you really don't need to have alcohol. But some people go, the holiday starts here. No holiday, no drink. 
You can see them doing that, can't you, on that lovely programme, Take Me Out, where a bunch of old has-beens who can't find boyfriends pitch up on the television going, Oh, I don't know what I'm looking for, Vernon. I oh, not Vernon. It's not Vernon, is it? It's, um... Who's doing it? What's his... I can't, I can't remember. <laughs> Got it on the brain this morning. Can't remember the name of the bloke who's doing it. <laughs> He's very good, though. And... <laughs> God, honestly, Freudian slip. Freudian slip. Um, what am I going to do today? Oh, yes. So he, he does it. Oh, Paddy McGuinness. That's right. No likey, no lighty. And there they all stand. The ones who generally are propping up bars in Newcastle. You know, and then some poor bloke comes down. And, uh, I mean, sometimes I don't know where they get them from. There must be an agency that finds sad, lonely men to appear on the, on the Take Me Out programme. <laughs> It's a bit like the majority of people who appear on there. We were having a laugh. I was talking to one of our uh, other presenters at LBC, um, one of our ladies who's next door to me, and uh, and she said, she said, I was listening to you on Monday, she said, I was laughing in the back of the taxi because you were talking about the people who work on the QVCs and, and the jewelries and all this kind of stuff. And I said, but, and she said, I agreed with you. Where do they get them from? I said, well, there must be an agency. An agency for people. And it's especially applicable on any of the uh, the jewellery channels, any of the people selling jewellery, because they obviously go out there and they go, right, um, uh, you'll do, love. Uh, all right, oh, I want to be a television presenter. Oh, I can't believe it, I'm doing jewellery. Oh, it's exciting. And they have their nails done, but they don't bother to have them manicured. And so they're all gnarled and dry and horrible. They look really ghastly. And because we've got HD television, it looks even worse I mean, it really does look even worse. And so um, we were laughing at these people and where they get them from. And then they hold up, you know, the jewellery to their ears and go, oh, look at that. And I think, well, you can barely see these things. I mean, some of it is just tat. It re it's just tat. But people want to buy it. If you want to buy it, I don't care. It doesn't make any difference to me. It's just the fact that I think most of the time that they're actually flogging it as something, as an investment. Whereas I'm thinking, honestly, there's no investment here whatsoever. There really isn't. And uh, And you think... If they're selling it for nine ninety nine or whatever, how much are the people who make it getting paid? Answer, very little. Very, very little. Made in this country? I shouldn't imagine the majority of it is. Uh, 84850, steve at Michael Watson, John. Um, you remember Chris Eubank Sr. had that same issue with Michael Watson. He's still severely uh, brain damaged. So that's, uh, so that's why. It is, I mean, it is a case, actually, I think, of, of probably stopping boxing. I think that would be the that that would be the the way to go, but then I suppose there's an industry behind it, and I think a lot of people would be saying, "Well, a lot of people will lose their jobs," and uh, you think, "Oh dear me, I don't know what to do." Uh, we saw a woman breastfeeding in Nando's, Steve. Very discreet blanket, no problem at all. Exactly, but I have said before, and I think we have to be very careful on this one that if you don't have one of these uh, things. Uh, which sort of covers you and makes you look discreet. You haven't just whapped them out. You know, there are certain people who are in this country now, they're not used to seeing things like that. That would be tantamount to pornography. You know, actually seeing a woman sitting there with a child breastfeeding in broad daylight, in public, in a window of a coffee shop. So, you know, I think, I think we have to be discreet about it. Because that's, that's the way it works, isn't it? 84850, uk, And uh, I think breastfeeding, Steve, is a private matter between mother and child. Why would you go to a public restaurant to do it? Well, the, well, the answer is, Pamela, that they say the child wanted feeding. Uh, so, but I mean, I don't know, did the child say, excuse me, hello? Feed now, breast out I don't know how it works. I mean, I suppose you just know the kid wakes up, starts screaming, and they go, quickly, 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 out with bosom, in kid's mouth. So uh, that's the way it seems to work. But there is a way at, uh, at, at sort of doing it. 
Uh, Ian says, stop having a go at little Abby Clancy. And um, he says she's an incredibly famous catwalk model. Don't be so stupid. Nothing worse than idiots, is there? God, blimey, she's not famous at all. She's famous for marrying a very tall footballer, and that's about it. And uh, catwalk model. When was the last time, sweet cheeks? When was the last time? Hate people who don't know anything. Hate people who don't know anything. And uh, another one here. And uh, uh, Kaz, yes. No, he doesn't. He doesn't at all. So, shh, don't say anything. Don't say anything. No, I mean, I have to keep that confidential between me and Kaz. No, he doesn't. No, definitely not. It'll worry everybody else. Uh, it's a shame so many people uh, have to lose jobs in England here, the steel industry in decline. Does anybody really care whether the steel industry goes into decline? Is anybody worried about it? I know people say, oh, you know, we have to look after steel workers, things like that. Did you worry about them until yesterday when you heard that they were going to be selling off the, uh, the concessions in this country? Did you worry about it? Did you think about them? No. Of course you didn't. Nobody thought about it at all. You don't think about anything. And then some bloke came on and started talking about Cadbury's gone to America and they've sold this and they've sold that. Well, that's that's business. That's how business works. It's as simple as that. I never cared about the steel industry. You care about people losing their jobs. But as we've discussed on LBC, as you know, many, many times over the years, there's no such thing as a job for life. There used to be. There used to be a job for life. You know, you could be a policeman or you could be a postman, sort of. Uh, or you could be, um, what else could you be, a job for life? Coal workers, steel workers, shipbuilders. And then all gradually all these things become eroded and it goes abroad because they do it an awful lot cheaper abroad than we can do it in this country. So the job for life doesn't seem to exist anymore. This is about the nearest thing, radio presenting as a job for life. I mean, we look how many years I've been doing this. And uh, and hopefully I shall die at it. Actually, many people say I have died at it on many an occasion. But I mean, that's that's what you do, isn't it? As long as you, as I explained the other day, you know, p- people come into this business. I read a thing the other day. It's um, it's uh, it's a sort of a semi-famous person who's just got a job on a BBC local radio, and uh, and they're going, oh, it's a really great job. And I'm thinking, your last five minutes, your last five minutes. Because they keep shunting things around, because I think BBC Local Radio, BBC Local Radio, is in decline. And I think very shortly they'll either sell them all off or just close them down. Because it's a waste of money. Nobody listens to it. Nobody listens to it. The only people who listen to it are sort of people who work on it. You ask the, the public, they want to listen to commercial radio. They don't want anything BBC, because it's so twee. The radio's so twee. BBC Radio Solent, you know, they're all so twee. You know, the local vicar and the local plumber working on there. And it's sort of well-meaning girls. I think we're going to have today a gardening thing. We'll do go, let's get a gardener in. And so that's what they do. It, it's, it's, it's supposed to be, it's called BBC Local Radio for a reason. Nobody outside the village listens to it. And so this bloke, who is sort of semi-famous, gets a job and his agent puts a thing up on Twitter going, oh, he's really joined, he's fantastic, and he's looking forward to getting a team around him. I thought, oh, what, on BBC Local Radio? You must be joking. No such thing as a team. You'd be sitting there all by your lonesome, broadcasting to yourself. And this is somebody with no radio experience whatsoever who's gone on to radio. And that would just be ridiculous. It's like LBC taking somebody and going, uh, right, you're really famous, we're going to put you on the radio. And they go, but with what experience? They last five minutes. The only way you survive on radio nowadays is by your last set of figures. And thankfully, you've made us very successful. It's uh, just gone-ish, sort of. Leading Britain's conversation. Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. It's nice to have your company. Ten to five. It's Wednesday morning. Did you recover yesterday suitably from Easter to actually... um, To actually... Sorry, I'm just laughing at what I said about take me out. And I got the wrong presenter. 
<laughs> it just seems quite appropriate, doesn't it? Take me out. And then that name came in. I don't know why. But uh, Sharon says, uh, you can't stop boxing. But they should be made to wear headguards. Well, they do. Some of them wear headguards now. These, I mean, it's like the cricketers going in. They wear headguards as well, don't they? And it turns... And then they started wearing war paint. Do you remember seeing them? Where they had all these things painted on their faces. And people get... I never understood cricket. Perhaps I'm just not a sporty kind of a person. But I just thought it was dreadfully dull. You know, you sit there and, you know, somebody's silly mid-on and somebody's this and then, you know, and, and I'm sort of thinking, I don't know, I'm really not bothered about cricket. I can't get excited. Michael Parkinson loved it. He geared his LBC job around the cricket season because he went out to Australia and uh, so that he could commentate on cricket. And I was sort of a boring thing under the sun. Getting drunk watching cricket is fairly good fun. You know, and gradually, you know, you could sort of sort of just do a very funny, humorous commentary. I was listening uh, the other day, I went onto YouTube again, in between the dancing penguins, big up the penguins. I'm totally of the opinion that when Attenborough goes out to film them, they all behave like penguins. They just sort of stand there going, nobody say anything, nobody say anything. Okay, la la, they're still filming us. Okay, try and look as though we're proud emperor penguins. La 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 la. And then the moment the film crew disappear in the ship over the horizon, they all go, right, ready? Okay, Lord of the Dance, everybody, who's going to kick it off? Ready? Dun, dun, da 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 dun. I would imagine that'd be quite nice. I've, I've always, I've always fantasised over that. Producer thinks, you know, he's always making fun of me, but I don't mind that, you know. But I, even though I am, sorry, distressed and hurt, emotionally crippled by it, and probably never work again, go home in tears, usual sort of thing. I could probably come up with about three thousand words of why he's depressed me, you know, why he sits there laughing at me, and I'm, and I'm going to tell you. I've decided now, just in retaliation, I'm going to tell you the story of the cake, and the story of him at Winter Wonderland. Probably in the same breath, I should imagine. Uh, Steve, it isn't just a job. Have you been to South Wales? Uh, soon the only place to work will be London. The rest will be for the tourist industry. But as long as it's not you. Oh, dear, you mustn't be jealous and bitter. That's a bit of a shame, isn't it? You mustn't be like that. I think her name's M or something. And uh, why would I want to go to South Wales? Why, why would I be interested in going to South Wales? And also, the only place to work will be London. You're not very bright, are you, really? There's thousands of jobs in this country. Thousands. And also, what, what, what do you think the, the tourist industry is? Is that people doing volunteering? You really are the dumbest person I've ever seen. I've never, I've never sort of encountered somebody that stupid. I can understand, you know, we do get at this time of the morning a lot of people coming off medication just before Matron comes around to give you the latest jab to put you back to sleep again. But to be honest with you, don't, don't be so thick that you make yourself look stupid. That's very embarrassing. And uh, South Wales, you know, why would I want to go there? In fact, actually, I might have been to South Wales, but I certainly wouldn't be discussing it with you. Uh, Steve's job, it's for life. I, that's what I thought it was, actually. I, thought it, I always looked on this as being a job for life, but I never thought about it as being a job for life. I just thought about it as being... A job. I, ne I never sort of... You never think about it. When you start doing something, do you? You never actually think, I wonder how many years this is, this is going to go. It doesn't matter where you are. It's only in this country where the Brits don't want to work in the tourist industry, according to M. She obviously thinks that, you know, that's for other people. And uh, I say she because it's got to be a woman. Nobody writes that badly, you know, from South Wales. Poor soul, honestly. Nice to get the line out, at least. And it's a case of, you know, you go for some of these jobs. The Brits don't last. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen anybody British working in a coffee shop. Anybody? No. Not in, our, not in our area. I don't think there is anybody British. We had one who lasted for about uh, three weeks and then he disappeared. Uh, because all the girls who work in there, and I think the boys as well, they're all Polish. Uh, I think in every one of our coffee shops, I don't think there's anybody British got a coffee shop. I don't think so. I might be wrong, 
Might be wrong, but I'm I'm pretty certain um, I'm not. Mike says, uh, with regards to the guy who thought Abby Clancy was a catwalk model, I didn't realise the terminally stupid were awake at this time. Yeah, they are. I mean, I think they just deliberately are stupid. I, I don't. They, they can't help it. They actually think that if they see somebody, you know, on a beach, and they go, oh, she's a catwalk model, and you go, actually not. Actually not. Nicola of Finchley, a uh, little bit difficult, as they're all dead. But uh, a, good, a good suggestion, I think. And uh, some people really freak out at the sight of needles, says Pauline. Uh, don't you think it's good manners to do it privately? No. No. No, I don't. And, uh, you know, I've absolutely not. I mean, quite clearly, Pauline, you don't know anything about the needles that diabetics use. You quite clearly know nothing about it at all. And that's why you're showing your ignorance, because they're very tiny. They're four millimetres, as I pointed out before. I did say it was a four millimetre needle. I mean, if I showed the, the producer now... Wait a minute. Show him just how... Wait a minute, you'll have to talk among yourselves. OK, I'll take this needle out of here. Wait a minute. Oops. Um, wait a minute. I'm, I'm going to have to put it on the... Because uh, you can't actually get the needle. Just bear with me, OK? Just pretend I'm having an injection. So, OK. On here, you put it on, screwed onto the top. It's all exciting, isn't it? You won't get this on any other station. And then, can you see that needle? No. It's tiny. It's so tiny. It's, it's infinitesimal. Can you see it there? Will that help? It's absolutely minuscule. Absolutely minuscule. I mean, seriously, it's so, so tiny. You wouldn't see it anyway. The only thing you would see is the syringe. And even then you wouldn't know what it was because it just looks like a pencil thing. I've forgotten you can see on the cameras in there, can't you? <laughs> forgotten about that. Be careful in the future, I think. Trying to get the thing back on again. But they are really tiny. So, you know, even if somebody was a little bit phobic, you wouldn't see the thing. You wouldn't see it, seriously. I have to use that needle now. I know people who keep using diabetics who keep using the same needle. I keep saying, no, I get a box of 100 needles. I always feel quite excited when I go into the chemist. And, uh, and there'll be somebody standing at the counter and they go, oh, hi, Steve, what do you need this week? I go, I just need needles. And you can see them at the counter going, oh, my God, it's a junkie. It's a junkie. Because you do get a lot of um, a lot of people on serious drugs as opposed to just insulin. But the needles are tiddly tiny, Pauline. Goodness sake. And uh, the joys of that one, well, I suspect it's not long for this world, darling, but you enjoy it while it's there. Last night, watch First Dates and Benefits in Jaywick says Manuel and Lorraine, made me realise how the characters of the series Little Britain were realistic and brilliant. Yes, the, the, these people do exist. Yeah, but no, but yeah, but no, but yeah, but no, but. Also comes from the Jeremy Kyle show, because these people are like that. You see them arguing on the television. You do. I mean, none of these people are ever going to get jobs. I remember years ago, we did a big thing. We did a big link-up on LBC throughout the country with, uh, with lots of presenters. And, uh, I mean, lots of really, really good present people, you know, far more famous than I am. And, um, and, and they, they teamed each person up with a celebrity. And one of our presenters got given Jade Goody. Well, it was an embarrassment. I mean, she couldn't string two words together. You know, she was, yeah, but no, but yeah, but no, but yeah, but no, but. And I was, we all sat there going, oh, my God. And this poor presenter had to struggle through it. It was very embarrassing, very embarrassing. But anyway, that's, that's sort of the joys of, of broadcasting. You know, I always say to people, if somebody writes in and goes, oh, I really don't like your programme, I go, go listen to something else. Don't bother me. Go somewhere else. You know, I couldn't care less. Luckily, I've got so many thousands and thousands and thousands of people. I don't need to worry about stuff like that, ever. 
Never need to worry. Never worried about it at all. Uh, Jack says, I'm in bed now laughing at, uh, at the thought of the Emperor Penguins doing Lord of the Dance. It's, it's so funny. I just think that all these things, when they actually go, they go, the ship's going. Nobody move. Nobody move. Ship's going. OK, they've gone. Ready, everybody? Oh, back to the kebabs. Back to all the, all the usual sort of stuff. Let's regurgitate a bit of fish. Come on. Woo. Because those poor emperor penguins walk about 60 miles to the sea. If they're marooned, they have to walk to the sea very slow. What? You just don't like penguins, do you? Have you got some childhood phobia? Producer's really funny about it. I mean, this has really got to the point of, you know, we're like never going to be a relationship because it's going to be permanent arguing about, you know, who's going to take the penguins out for a walk. And so it gets, it gets to that stage. But every time I mention penguins, he sits there. And I can, I can lip read it. Oh, God, not the blooming penguins again. You know, like, you know, other people like pussycats and dogs. I like penguins, so... Now I've shown him the needle. He's thinking, oh, I'm not scared of him anymore. You know, up until that time, we might have been able to frighten him a little bit, but uh, it's not going to work. So uh, the very idea that the emperor... So they have to walk 60 miles to the sea. Then they go for a swim around, pick up as many fish as possible, and then have to trudge all the way back again. Freezing cold, no little mittens on, no little booties on or anything like that. They have to trudge back and then try and find their own, their own little baby penguin. They're cute, aren't they? I like it. I bought my brother's girlfriend for Christmas a few years ago. She likes penguins too. And they do a big penguin which lights up, made of acrylic. And it's... You really hate the idea, don't you? I thought it was nice. She liked it for Christmas as well. Anyway, uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. News at five is uh, heading up quickly. Uh, The sad songs which lift us out of the gloom. I don't really want to hear your sad songs because I've got enough sad songs of my own. Thank you very much indeed. What's the difference between men's and women's tennis balls? The answer might surprise you. Swear Grills reality show. 95 swear words in 45 minutes. The women who live with facial hair. The 1.6 million migrants from the EU settling in Britain. And Elton John in court, they think, with an ex-bodyguard over claims he was groped. Good Lord, it's LBC. On Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. God, it's good to be here. It really is. It's four minutes past five, nearly-ish, sort of, is it? Oh, maybe. Uh, And it's the 30th of March. One more day and then we're into April and it's April showers. 1.6 million migrants from the EU settle in Britain. The billionaire who's jetted in for a London break with four supercars. I told you about one the other day. They're gold-plated. He's a terrible little show-off, honestly. Perhaps in Saudi they like this kind of thing, so he obviously comes round here and thinks we're going to be very excited by it. I've seen a picture of him. He's not attractive at all. Elton John, sued by an ex-bodyguard who claims he was groped. The woman who swam for the cruise ship, pictured at prayer. Not quite the full shilling. And, uh, and the sad songs which lift us out of the gloom. What are they? We'll tell you in a moment. Plus the tragedy of that woman desperate to marry. She's very attractive, but all her friends were getting married and she felt left behind. And uh, she couldn't find a boyfriend. I don't know why she couldn't find a boyfriend, actually. There can't be... I can't think of any logical reason. Look at a picture of her. She seems to have everything going for her. But she takes her own life because she was so depressed. And you think, there's got to be more to it. It can't just be the fact that all your friends are getting married. Because otherwise, every single person who's around, unless they have some mental illness, would just be sort of taking their own life. And you don't need to do that. There's always somebody. You could join a dating agency. The best place to meet people. Where do you think the best place to meet people is? Quite simply, get a job in a pub. 
Get a job in a pub. You'll meet loads of people. Admittedly, try and catch them at the beginning of the shift, because by the end of the shift, they won't know who, who you are. But you meet loads of people working in a pub. It's as simple as that. Simple as that. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And uh, Neil says, you're absolutely right. He says, the further you go up north, the dimmer the folk. I've had to suffer people of Burton-on-Trent. I don't even know where Burton-on-Trent is. Sounds lovely, actually. He says, your 4 a.m. spike is massive. It certainly is. Well, we're, we're sort of down one. We've had to, had to lose Pauline this morning. I can't deal with stupid people, so she's been junked. So we finally managed to get rid of her, which is, uh, which is something we've been achieving for quite some time. And uh, Steve, the Polish girls I know, says Jack, make £8 an hour in the coffee shops. And um, they live four to five girls in a flat. Uh, they pay two to three hundred pounds a month rent. Don't be so stupid. Two or three hundred. Where are you going to get two or three hundred pound a month rent each? I should imagine. Certainly not for the whole flat. And uh, and they make loads of money. They make far more here than they would in Poland. Yeah, they're polite. They're always smiling. Seriously, they're always happy. Why wouldn't they be? They're earning twice what they would earn back in Poland, so they can afford to live here, and then they can then they can send money back home again. Oh yes, even if you become a street cleaner. We've got a street cleaner who sends money home. He's bought another flat. He's bought a flat. In- he couldn't afford to do that if he lived in Poland. He can afford to do it here because the money's so good. Why do you think they're always smiling? I don't think I've been in a coffee shop yet where they're not smiling. They're always happy. The Brits look as miserable as sin. Seriously, miserable as sin. You know, actually having to serve people. I don't think we do service. I don't think we do service very well at all. I, I, I feel a bit, a little bit sort of depressed that we don't do service. Because I, I want us to do service, but, but we just don't. It's, uh, it's a bit embarrassing. Other people do it. Other people do it very well, but we're not, we're not one of those countries. Italy do service very well. The Americans do service very well because they're a service industry. There's so much of it over there. The person who was talking about, oh, it's just going to be tourism, obviously quite clearly has never moved out of their own tiny mind. Because you go to America and the whole thing is geared to tourism. Go to any country around the world, it's tourism. That's the biggest, biggest thing you can have. London is full of tourists who come here for tourism. They're not coming here to go and sample the cakes in Patisserie Valerie. They've got these things back home. They're coming here to see they're doing touristy things. But, of course, some people can't see further than the end of their nose at all. Off to see the Dad's Army film this afternoon, says Noreen. Oh, I'm very jealous. We get tea and biscuits, too. We know how to live. You are living the rock and roll lifestyle. I have ordered the film, as you know, and I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. So, uh, have I read reviews? I haven't. I deliberately didn't, and I'll tell you why I didn't. Because, A, we talked to two members of the, uh, of the cast, which I absolutely loved. I thought that was, that was a real thrill, even though it was very difficult to get them to sort of get back on track again. But that made the interview far more entertaining. Uh, it's just that I like British films. I still watch, every so often, Danny LaRue in Our Miss Fred, you know, where you get to see Danny at his best. You know, the man who was the biggest star in this country. And my friend Ray recently sent me uh, a pile of DVDs uh, with Roy Hudd and his show, which came from various theatres around the country. There's everybody on there. Andy Stewart comes on and sings, I've just come down from the Isle of Skye. I'm no very big and I'm awful shy. The lassies shout as I go by, Donald, where's your trousers? (laughs) 
It's amazing how it just laps into these things. I mean, sometimes, you know, your mind goes wandering. Or as I said in Blood Brothers, my mind's gone dancing. And that meant that you've completely lost the plot. And uh, who else was on there? Max Bygraves came on. Where did spring again? I'll sing again. Tulips from Amsterdam. And the audience join in. It was what I call good, wholesome entertainment. And it was it's really good. So I was very grateful to Ray uh, for them. So I sat down yesterday and watched one complete run. And I've got another run to watch today. And I shall enjoy every minute of it. I'm obviously a little bit old-fashioned. But I like that. I like things like that. I think that's a, that's a very, very good idea. Uh, Steve. At the uh, beginning of the show, says Ellie, you implied that today was the last day of the month. No, because it is for me, because uh, because I work different ends of the day. That's why. So it's, you know, I'm bringing forward April Fool's Day to just get round to people, which is always good. Uh, why don't you meet, uh, get get a job in, in an upmarket car dealership, says Paul. Yeah, but the trouble is these dealerships don't sell these cars. He's had that customised. And actually, to be honest with you, it's not that much money. The The Phantom he's got is gold-plated. And uh, they reckon it came in at 350000 That's for the whole car. So I thought maybe I could get mine gold-plated. But then I thought, it's going to be a nightmare keeping it clean, isn't it? All they do is fly them over from Saudi. They must be the most awful show-offs, mustn't they? Can you imagine? I'm saying, what are you driving? A gold plate. You do notice it, though. Oh, you do notice it. And what they do is they stick them on parking meters. They couldn't care less what, because they've got so much money. Of course, if the oil had been found the other side, things might have been a little bit, uh, little bit different. And... Um, uh, another one here. Uh, the the BBC have put on a new cake baking competition. The judges were a no all Frenchman, a Mrs Mop lookalike with red straw hair, and a nasty Chinese woman. What would she know about delicate cakes? Well, probably loads, I should imagine. Probably loads. I, I'm, I quite like the uh, the cake shows, don't you? I mean, I'm I'm quite into things like that. I, I sort of, uh, I mean, I can't I can't bake a cake, and I don't think I should actually. I leave that to Mr Kipling. Mr Kipling does make exceedingly good cakes. Other people make them as well. And I quite like the cakes at farmers' markets and, and stuff like that. CJ says, anybody who doesn't like your show must have something wrong with them. Unfortunately, we found one this morning. So we've, uh, we've put her out of her misery, which is great. Uh, and Paul says, computers will take over the world. Talking radio will die out. Never. Never in a million years. Never in a million years. Uh, music radio might die out, but speech radio will never die out. Never die out. It's not physically possible. There is a, a station in America which is an automated speech station. But it, it plays music, but they can interrupt so the reporters can go out and do it. But you'll never, ever beat speech radio. Uh, ever. Ever, ever, ever. As you know. That's why you're writing to it. Uh, Jill says, The keepers of Edinburgh Zoo take their penguins on a walk around the outside of the enclosure every day. Very sweet and funny. That's the plan. I'm going to... Actually, perhaps I could get a ticket for Edinburgh Zoo for the producer. That'd be his worst nightmare. I'm sending you for a date with penguins. And you could sit there and watch them swim and eat fish. You'd like that, would you? You're right with that. You just don't like them when they dance, do you? you just got to... You don't... He said he doesn't like me watching it 14 times a day. Which, of course, is a fib, because I don't watch it 14 times a day. What I generally do, and I would have done it this morning if somebody hadn't turned the computer box off, which annoyed me intensely, once I've found out who it is, they'll be hanging outside the building, I'll tell you, <laughs> as a flagpole. And, um, and so I was going to watch The Dancing Penguins, then I go on to Michael Flatley, then I go on to Hairspray. I've got to have something that cheers me up and that puts me in, in a very, very good, good mood. Uh, so that's what you're here for. You don't put me in a good mood. You just come in here and use rude words. And then sits there and then, and then accuses me of double entendre. So when, I, when he sort of says something, and the word of the morning was... I'm not going to tell you, actually. I'm going to save it when he's been very naughty. And, um, and, and he, he says something, and he said, no, you thought that's what I meant. And I thought, no, because when you said the word, you smiled. 
if you hadn't smiled when you said this word, then I would have understood it. But it's, it's, a, it's a competition every morning to see if he can sort of say, and then he sort of does it. And then he tries to backtrack on himself. You know, so say, I didn't mean that at all. I thought, yes, you did. I know exactly. It was like when Ainsley Harriet used to come on holding a giant pepper mill and going, oh, I've got my giant pepper mill here. You know, inferring, of course, that, you know, well, you know. And, um, and then when the producer used this word this morning, I knew exactly what he was referring to. I knew exactly. Exactly. But I wasn't falling for it. But when I challenged him on it, oh, we became so defensive. Oh, you bring up the penguins every time. One of these days I'm going to bring a load. Of- we had penguins in the studio once. Did I tell you? We actually had, when, in my show downstairs, well, it's the same show, but we did it downstairs in the big studio. And uh, I was doing a Sunday afternoon. What was I doing a Sunday afternoon? I can't, anyway, I was doing a Sunday afternoon. It could have been Sunday morning. And they brought in a live penguin and put it on the desk. And they're, they're, I, mean, they're this, I mean, you get different penguins of different sizes. This was a reasonable size one. And we had something else in the studio which clung to the microphone. It was like, sort of, it wasn't a bush baby. But it was something a bit like that. And that was quite nice. I quite like that. The penguin, of course, made a mess in the studio, as they do. Because they don't know, do they? You can't put a nappy on a penguin. Although I wish we had done. <laughs> I and it's amazing. Everybody from upstairs all came downstairs to have a look at me with a penguin and this bush baby kind of thing, which was clinging to the microphone for grim death. It's quite sweet, really. Sometimes you don't know where he is. Sometimes he's looking at you and you get the feeling the eyes have glazed over. And I think what he's done... He's painted on his eyelids an eyeball. So when he goes to sleep, it looks as though he's awake. But in fact, I can tell that he's not. Because, because, no, not like the former one. <laughs> he did fall asleep during the programme. We had this dreadful situation where I tried to wake him up. And I got louder. And I went, oh, coming up very shortly. It'll, and it didn't make any difference. He was gone for the count. I, I've, I've had a couple of producers, not because the programme's boring, it's because he was he was quite tired <laughs> that particular day. I had to laugh, actually. Everybody else laughed with me. Well, most most people laughed, actually. Uh, apparently, it's midnight in uh, in Florida, and Andy's over there. He's got a villa. Very cheap, aren't they, in Florida? I didn't realise. Uh, property in Australia, of course, not as cheap as it is in Florida. At the moment, in Florida... Because the housing market, it's not depressed, it's just that they've got so many that they uh, they can't get rid of them. So you can get a good place out there. If you're spending £150,000, translate that into dollars, you can get a really nice villa. Seriously, a friend of mine's got a villa out there, and it's got two kitchens, an electric garage, storm windows. You have to have storm windows, they sort of come as standard. Uh, a pool out the back, two sitting rooms, four bedrooms. Uh, a laundry room. You really get a lot. You really get a lot for your money. So Andy says it's midnight. You can get me out of London, but can't get LBC Steve Allen out of me. So there you go. It's quarter past five. Every weekday morning from seven, only on LBC. Nick and the team at breakfast this morning. Questions about security at Egyptian airports are being asked after a man smuggled a fake suicide belt onto a plane. I mean, it must have been... Do you not think maybe... That would have been seen on the x-ray as you put your bag through the machine. Would you, would you not? I don't know. Only guessing. Just months after a homemade bomb brought down a Russian passenger plane. How worried should you be? That's Nick and the team from 7 after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. David Wooding, son on Sunday's political editor, is looking at the papers for today. I was very pleased, actually, although I didn't follow it up uh, earlier on. It's only because I sort of just noticed it on my uh, phone. That drivers with diabetes will no longer face licences unfairly. And so the question was, are we balanced in the way we restrict licences? I'm on a three-year restricted licence because, because as a diabetic, they think I might have a hypo at the wheel. I don't know how many accidents on the road are caused by people having hypos, but I suspect there's more people who are killed on the, uh, 
on the roads through uh, through drink driving or drugs or anything else like that than diabetes. Because if you think you're going to have a hypo, you know, you know, because you can feel it. You just know, you know, no, no. You can. And then, you know, you've got to make sure that you've got things with you. People take precautions. I've got to fill in a long form. It comes in like a book form. Uh, for diabetes, which you send back to DVLA. They send it to you as your licence is about to run out. Everybody else, if you're not diabetic... I mean, there are people out there driving with no insurance. They're driving quite happily. I'm diabetic. I've got to fill in a form which determines how long they're going to give me the licence for. And in my case, it's three years. So I got the form through six months ago, is it nine months ago, whatever it was, and I filled it in and sent it back again, and then they come back with, yeah, we'll give you another three years. So I'm delighted they're going to be reviewing that, because if you've not had a hypo, and I've not had a hypo, I've had a couple of, I did have one day years ago where I thought, oh, my Godfathers, oh, my God, and we shoved sweets down me like there was no tomorrow. I think I was doing jelly beans to keep me going. It was, uh, it was, it was a bit touch and go. We managed to get through the programme, but I did, I did go through a very, very bad period. And uh, the one reason service is rubbish in coffee shops is there are too many of them. See, I don't think the service in coffee shops is, is rubbish, Bob, at all. I really don't. I think the, the service, I know perhaps you've got rubbish ones in Edinburgh. Um, but we've actually, down here, the service is excellent. They're always happy and smiling. They remember me. They remember a lot of their regular customers. If you go in somewhere on a regular basis, even though they do change the staff around. We've had our staff for a little while now, so they must be due a change. But they remember your drink. They're always smiling. They will say, morning, Steve. You know, they always, it's, it's always very, oh, my name's Bob. Uh, but anyway, so they always say that. It's very sweet. And they, they just get to know you. And they're always smiling. I think only once have I seen an argument in our Starbucks between, between two members of staff. And it was obviously a little bit tense. And so, but anyway, it, it, it sort of brushes itself over. I think, you know, I think they work very, very well. So, uh, and you do need to spend a lot of money to get uh, to get a cup of coffee nowadays. You remember that bloke who went into Costa? Was it Costa? And he discovered that if he poured his big coffee into the little cup, it filled the little cup. And he thought that was a bit of a swizz, but they never fill them up to the top. Have you noticed that? They never fill them up to the top anyway. But you are paying. I mean, if you don't, they, they don't force you to go in there. They don't say, you know, come in, come in, come in, come in, buy a coffee, buy a coffee. They don't do that. You go in there if you want to buy a cup of coffee. It's like, you know, watching a television programme, isn't it? Nobody forces you to watch it. You sit there and you decide as your remote... I mean, sometimes if it goes to the adverts, I flick to another channel. Or if I don't like what I'm watching in the early hours of the morning. And I've only got sort of about 45 minutes to get myself ready. And believe you me, it takes that amount of time to get me ready in the morning. It so does. You know, some people, they don't sort of... They sort of bother about it. I like to, you know, take a bit of pride, make myself look, you know, a bit like a penguin, a little bit sort of, you know, dapper, a bit smart, a bit tap dancing. Da, 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 da. Perhaps we should get them doing top hat, white tie and tails. Quite like to see dancing penguins to that. But at the moment, I think it's only Lord of the Dance, which is good. But no, there, there is no, I don't think there is bad service in coffee shops. If there was, then because they're all changed, they'd get rid of the member of staff. They've got somebody who manages the shop. If somebody was not good, and, pe- and if I made a complaint about somebody in a coffee shop, I would expect the manager, uh, manageress in there, Eva, uh, to do something about it. They would. If somebody complained, they would go, I'm sorry, we can't have you here. You've upset a customer. Customer's always right. Customer is king. I'm the one with the money. I'm the one spending, you know, probably about five, five odd pounds a day to buy coffee. Every so often I get a free one. That's like your free little gift. But that's the incentive, isn't it, to go back. But never, ever had bad service, Bob. Never, ever had bad service. Only ever good service. Sometimes there's a queue a mile long. And, uh, and other times, you know, there's nobody in there. The one thing that can annoy you is the fact that, uh, that the Polish girls in our Starbucks, there's no real rush to do anything. 
There's no real rush. It's not. It's a bit like the Waitrose women on the checkout in Twickenham. It's almost like they are comatose, or in some cases, dead. Because I've never known anybody so slow. Hello. And then we're slow. I sometimes take a seat and have a sit down, have a shave, you know, do my nails, things like that. Just while I'm waiting for them to put three items over the little magic eye. It does take time, actually, and you have to get used to that sometimes. It's like going to Spain. Trying to get anything done in Spain is very difficult. Some friends of mine are off to Spain today. You know him because he was the weatherman on LBC for years, Chris Lowry, and uh, his other half, Steve. They're off to Spain today. They're, they're emigrating. To... Oh, wait a minute. It's coming in now. Oh, God. Oh, that... oh that's right. OK. All right. What? <laughs> people... Is it so... people think I'm mad. People say, who are you talking to? They didn't say anything. Because somebody walks in the studio... And automatically, being being a polite person, if somebody walks in the studio, I automatically say, hello, and all you get is... <laughs> and you think, perhaps, perhaps he's not well. I don't know. Nobody says anything. It's almost like, oh, we're in a studio. Mustn't say anything. Shh. It's radio. It's like if somebody walks into a television studio and somebody goes, hello, and they ignore you. You kind of think, hello, it's me, Chief Emperor Penguin. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, so they're, they're, they're going off today to uh, to Espana. But over in Spain, everything is like, you know, can you do this? Mm, yeah, maybe mañana. And uh, and it's always tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. It just gets later. France is exactly the same. You just have to get used to the thing. Brit and Annie will tell you in France that, you know, they don't work at the same speed as the Brits do. The Brits want to do it, get in, get out and finish it. Whereas the, uh, you know, the French and the, uh, and the Spanish, they just like to take their time. I mean, when you're working in heat... I suppose you have to just accept the fact that nobody works very quickly. I've watched some of these grand design programmes and I think uh, I think they're actually, you know, really good. But they do sometimes work at a pace that I'm not familiar with. Quite funny, though. Quite funny at the same time. Uh, 84850, steve at Penguins, Steve, are going to be the next fashion accessory. Oh, I hope so. I'm trying to get, you know, penguin key rings, penguin costumes. I might actually insist on the producer... You know, dressing up as a penguin, I think, for Christmas. I think we could get him a little outfit. Sort of like a onesie. I see you in a onesie. Yeah, I mean, I think, can you not wear a, would you have a onesie? Would you have a onesie? No, well, you might have by Christmas. I'll see if I can find one in your size. And uh, 84850, uh, another one here. As a maths teacher, says Divad, I offer you the following equation. Or in his, but he said, equation. Uh, B is indirectly proportional to diminishing distance north of Watford, where B equals brain power of UK citizen. It's quite sweet, isn't it, David? I don't understand it, but it's very sweet of you to make a contribution, but I have no idea. Uh, Silly question, says Richard. Yeah, I've had silly questions before. Yours is about as silly as they get, so I won't bother dignifying it with an answer, because there is no answer. Steve, it must cost hundreds of pounds a year buying coffee. Why not pick a great instant coffee, more satisfying and a money saver? Because we like going out and buying coffee. Tony, I can't explain it. Any, you know, when I watched the film Broadcast News years ago, that was the first time I'd seen Americans ordering double D calf, latte, skinny, uh, flat, you know, all these different terms that we've come to use. So I go for, uh, what do I go for? Tall, skinny, extra, extra dry latte with an extra shot. And, you know, years ago, I wouldn't even have understood that myself. But now I know it means that you get three shots of coffee. Yeah, Well, you get two anyway, I think, in most of the Starbucks things. And so I always have an extra one. I like that little extra kick. You know, it's kind of a whoosh. It's the difference between sitting on the ground and flying around the treetops. So I quite like that. And because it's extra, extra dry, 
Sometimes they, they have now got the hang of it in all the other ones, but sometimes they go, how much milk? And I go, tiny, tiny. Because I, I don't want to drink too much milk. Occasionally, as you know, I've had lapses. And ice-cold milk and Steve Allen go down very well, but only very, very occasionally, very, very occasionally. And so on this particular occasion, I say, look, just a little tiny bit of milk, the rest froth. And I drink the froth through the, uh, the coffee through the froth, and that seems to work for me. But I have to be honest, I have become addicted to it. I have become... I never thought I would, but I do probably... I wouldn't like to know how many coffees a day. Only one. Only one uh, coffee from Starbucks. I try not to do two unless it's absolutely necessary. Absolutely necessary. Uh, Steve, you are the medicine of laughter. And uh, I'm over 70. Uh, people can't understand me being awake so early, though I managed to convince them to do so. Please tell the producer I love penguins and your show. He doesn't really care, actually, Theresa. I don't want to make a big deal about it. He seriously, honestly, he could not be less impressed with you liking penguins than he could about wearing his flip-flops when he goes back to Australia. He's going for two weeks, actually. Well, actually, he thinks that, but I'm having a word with customs at the airport, and uh, I don't think he'll get much further than the airport. I've got a few little tricks up my sleeve. <laughs> but it's, it's true, actually, that we do spend a lot of money buying coffee. But what's the matter with that? What's the matter with that? Unless, unless you're not... I mean, or every so often, they will come up with a, um, a, a philosophy, won't they? And say, actually, too much coffee's bad for you. Three weeks later, coffee a day is very good for heartbeat. Very good for this, very good for that. It's like, I always sit here every morning, I have my cup of coffee. Perhaps I should be drinking water. I don't know. And I've got my three little satsumas, which I haven't even started yet, because I just don't... I've got to be in the right mood for a satsuma. And today we're recording an In Conversation and I'm really looking forward to him. He's coming back in. This will be the second time that I've done him. And he is Jimmy Carr. He's coming in. He's got something out on Netflix, which we'll tell you about as well. And uh, that's very exciting. So we've got a good lineup for this weekend. And then uh, tomorrow, who have I got in tomorrow? I'll tell you about that tomorrow. Uh, Harvey Proctor blasts this inquiry. And, um, and the action man who can't wait to settle down. He's a tele-action man. He doesn't seem to get much of this, much of this sort of coverage in the newspapers, I think, because he actively doesn't, uh, doesn't seek it. And we will tell you the story of William Shatner, who's being sued by a man who claims to be his son. Peter Sloan says the Captain Kirk actor had a fling with his late mother, an actress. Uh, she gave him up for adoption after giving birth, and uh, he's a radio host. Uh, that's what they call a radio presenter. They call them hosts. I think they have them. Yeah, I think they probably do the same in other countries as well. And uh, he says he, uh, Shatner admitted being his father when he visited him on the set of T.J. Hooker in the 1980s. He alleges that soon afterwards, Shatner's representative contacted him and said the star was totally denying paternity at that point. He's looking for £115 million. Bit difficult, isn't it, really? But I'm sure that one will come out in the courts in America. LBC News Time, 5.30. With the latest headlines, here's Lisa Aziz. Some Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. That's what you can do if you're very famous. Anyway, nice to have you company. The customer is always king. But Steve, have you ever gone into a bank at lunchtime? Half the staff are not at the tills. Actually, I'm amazed that I still discover people, ladies and gentlemen, who go to the bank. What do you go to the bank for? I haven't been into my bank. I've been into a branch of my bank, but I don't need to do anything at all um, in the bank that I cannot do online. I can do everything online. I can transfer money. I can pay bills, pay my tax bill, my VAT. I can do all these things. I don't need to go into a branch at all. The only time I want to go into a, into a branch is to take, you know, 
a sum of money out. I mean, I could take money out of a cash point, but if I want more than that, I just go into a branch and take it out. It's as simple as that. But I, I don't understand anybody ever going into a, into a bank. I did get a letter from my bank the other day, actually, from the investment side, because I've got investments with the bank. And uh, they said, oh, you know, it'd be lovely to have a chat with you. So I spoke to my advisor and uh, she said, oh, you don't need to talk to them. They just like to catch up with people. They'll write you two or three standard letters and uh, basically saying if you want to invest some more money, which actually I am, but we'll just do it uh, probably differently. Because at the moment, interest rates are very low. So now now is a good time to uh, to start uh, sort of deciding what you're going to do with your money. And when you get to a certain age, people do. But, of course, the banks are making people redundant. The investment side, I think, of RBS, they've just in one particular area axed 300 people. 300 people who will be disappearing from, uh, sorry, not from RBS, from, uh, from NatWest. And you think to yourself, so wh- where are they going? All these people who've been sort of sitting there hoping to see somebody to talk about their investments, there'll be a different way of doing it. So they just get rid of people. So it comes back to that, doesn't it? The job for life, the steel industry, you know, and people saying, so what, you know, what, what are we going to do about it? The answer is the, uh, the company is owned by an outside source. He's very rich. I think he was one of the richest men in the world. He certainly featured on the Sunday Times rich list of people throughout the world. I mean, seriously, billionaire. But if a business isn't profitable and they can't make money at it, they close it down or they move it somewhere where they can make it profitable. And no amount of shouting and screaming and fighting and arguing on television programmes is going to change it. In fact, if anything, it makes them more alien. It really does. I can remember. I'm old enough to remember the miners' strike. I can remember. And I can remember the the strike as well down at uh, Fortress Wapping. I remember all of these things with, you know, people going in there being spat at and abused, the miners, Arthur Scargill going round there, people dragging people out of lorries. God, dear, it was absolutely dreadful. And what happened? They went ahead with the closures. It's always where you can't, you can't fight something like that. If somebody wants to close... If I have a business and it's not making money, I can't keep it going. We've got uh, quite a number of businesses in, uh, in Twickenham which have, uh, which have gone... Because they can't make money. One was a, a really nice phone shop. Now, I know phone shops pop up, pop down, open. But this one, he opened up. He seemed very nice. I went in there and bought... Actually, this is where I bought my uh, my nodding uh, cat, which you see in all Chinese restaurants. And I, I bought one in there because it's solar. And I love it. It was only nine quid, and I thought I bought that. But anyway, the phone shop's gone out of business. But yet all the, all the product is still all in there. All the phone covers. So I don't know whether or not the bailiffs come in. Sometimes the bailiffs come in. There's a place around the corner from here. Next door to us in Global, it's a little alley full of restaurants, well, sort of coffee shops and things like that and different places. And one of them's closed. They, you know, it's got the locks on the door. But the funniest thing, I can't remember if I told you this, just round the corner from here, there is like an NCP car park type thing. And it's, uh, it's an area where you get a lot of down and outs who sleep there with their bottles and things like that. But anyway, and this NCP car park was full of rickshaws. I didn't see any cars. It wasn't an NCP. It was something like that. And uh, it's full of rickshaws. Well, it's still full of rickshaws, but this time the gates are padlocked with about six padlocks on it and a big sign from the bailiff saying uh, this car park has ceased trading. You only had until last Friday to get your vehicle out. Otherwise, you've lost it. And so uh, when I looked through and I had to smile, actually, there's all these lethally, uh, lethally driving around the streets of London death trap uh, things, the rickshaws, which should have been taken off the streets ages and ages ago. But uh, we seem to have a proliferation of people who uh, don't uh, pay any tax. They don't do anything at all. They rip tourists off. Mind you, talking about ripping somebody off, did you see the other day? You probably didn't see it. An Uber driver 
an Uber driver who gets a bloke in the back of his uh, back of his car. Supposed to be a fifteen pound journey. The bloke gets in the back and goes to sleep. Big mistake, but luckily because it's all logged, and he gets the other end. And the bloke asks him for I think I think roughly about a hundred and two pounds and seven pence. That's, you know, that was how bad it was. So anyway, he, he complained to Uber. Well, first of all, when he, when he sobered up, he looked at the route they took. This bloke was ru- winding him up. He was winding him up. He took him on a journey round the North Circular. It was, a, it was a 15 quid journey. Anyway, Uber have said that they will reimburse him. How many more of these drivers are there? I mean, to be honest with you, I think it runs across the whole thing. I think if somebody sees an opportunity of making a, a quick buck, people do it in this day and age. You know, don't tell me that everybody's absolutely, you know, straight down the line because they're not. The only business we have to go straight down the line is, is this business. You know, somebody said to me, oh, you know, so it must be easy to sort of fiddle your tax. I said, you're joking. You're joking. Only cash businesses can do things like that. Everything that I do is documented. You can't fiddle tax. I wouldn't even think about fiddling tax. Might have done years ago. If I'd been in a cash business, I mean, how many times, come on, hold your hands up. Somebody comes around to do something, painting, and they go, well, it's going to be 1,300. And if you go, what if it's cash? They go, I mean, in fact, a friend of mine has done this recently. 40,000 quid to do a lot of building work. And so he then said to the bloke, how about if it's cash? He went, "26." Uh, so he's saving a fortune. Cash. Well, that's not going through the books. That's going pocket. Lots of people dealing cash. Market traders dealing cash. Of course they do. How many market traders do you know take credit cards? They don't, do they? But everything I do is documented. I can't, I, I couldn't fiddle even if I wanted to. Because this company I have to submit. And at the end of each year, I get a piece of paper, which is very nice. And, uh, dear Steve, we love you. And things like that, you know, love emperor penguins. And, um, and, it, and it says how much money I've earned over the year. And, and the tax office has got that. And because I pay VAT, they know exactly how much I'm earning. So you can't do it. Other people might be able to manage it. I'm not one of them. I suppose, in theory, I could actually take the money in and then not bother paying tax. But they'd be clamping down on me quite quickly because my name would go into the tax office. So it's only if I was in a cash business that, you know, that things would be different. But everybody does that, don't they? So but this Uber driver, unfortunately for him, perhaps he wasn't the brightest penny, uh, you can track the journey. So the bloke was able to see where he'd gone while he was asleep. So, you know, just be warned. You know, there are crooks out there. There are people who are willing to part you from your money. And they don't have uh, a, sh- a shred of anything at all. They couldn't care less. They really couldn't. It just makes no difference to them at all. Uh, Steve, service at most leading coffee shops is much better than eating and drinking in the average cafe or eatery. Yeah, we see, I mean, I find all the places around our way are actually quite good. I mean, there was only one place I told you ages ago we had a problem with because I took the, uh, the tip off the bill. I took the tip off the Why would I pay a tip when there was no service? And uh, who was it? Did some of the other... Oh, that's right. I was talking to... Um, to um, who the dickens was I talking to? Must be a friend of mine who said that they actually got a car back from the airport. And, uh, and the driver uh, said... Um, he, he sort of got out the car. They ordered a four-seater and a six-seater. And the driver got out the car, lifted up the back of the thing and said, you have to put your own bags in there because my hands are, are not good. You thought, well, he's driving, isn't he? Anyway, cut a long story short, at the very end of the journey, he held his hand out for a tip. And this friend of mine went, a tip? You must be joking, mate. I had to lift our own bags in and out. (laughs) 
looking for service, looking for service. So, you know, just be warned, just be warned, not so good. Uh, Steve, I was hit by a Larry driver. His name was Larry, was it? Or do you think he was Laurie? Who hadn't taken his medication for diabetes, passed out the wheel, three years on, I'm still recovering from the injuries. Yeah, I mean, it's very rare, though. Very, very rare, Carol. It really is. It's very, very rare. Very rare. Because most people uh, carry their medication with them. Most people carry their medication with them. I've never, I've never actually gone out uh, not carrying my medication. I take it with me everywhere. Uh, my insulin. And I've always got a bit of sugar about me, so that's OK. Doesn't actually work half the time, but at least it's there, isn't it, really? 84850, steve at uk. If you've just uh, woken up, it's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. It's Wednesday the 30th of March. You know, do know, don't you, you get a free podcast every day. My friend Tom will probably be going for uh, for this one. He's back from uni. Do you know he only does six hours a week at uni? The rest of the time is called study. What do university students do nowadays? Do they just drink and do drugs and stuff like that? And sort of, you know, I, I said, but, but what do you do? And he said, well, there's a lot of reading. You go to lectures. Apparently you have to sit down at lectures. And then uh, and then afterwards you, you sort of go and read. I think most of them drink. I don't want to be rude about it, but, I mean, it seems a cushy lifestyle, doesn't it? Most of them look like wayward... Have you been to Brighton? There must be unis down there. They're all wayward hippies. They're all back in the 60s. It's a throwback, isn't it? They all look like they're Australians on holiday. Flip-flops and tie-dye and stuff like that. Pictures of penguins. Uh, so, uh, from the papers today, as you know, on the front... Somebody betted that uh, that I wouldn't be doing the, uh, the front page of uh, the Daily Star... You're quite right. I will not be doing the front page of the Daily Star. We know why. You probably know why, but we're not doing it anyway. Uh, We do have a picture of the Brit who takes a selfie with a suicide belt bomber. And this is somebody called Ben Innes. Sitting there smiling or standing smiling like an idiot with a suicide bomber who's got the fake uh, thing around his uh, chest. He's, He's somebody who's got a sickness. He's an idiot. He's been described as an idiot. And to be honest with you, the Brit looks like a complete buffoon as well. Why would you stand there smiling with some... Unless, of course, you know it's not a suicide bomber. He's just a silly little person who wants to go and see his wife. Uh, Elton John in all the papers today. He's fighting it. It's in America. It's in America. Good heavens about 60s sex pot Jane Birkin is 69. They say she's a babe. Is it really possible to describe somebody as a babe at 69? Not really. That'd be your grandmother. And uh, reality show The Island with Bear Grylls has set a new British TV cursing record. 95 swear words in 45 minutes. Now, Bear Grylls, as you know, is a, is a Christian. He's a very committed Christian. I don't know how on earth they've allowed this language to go through. But there was one here... Uh, they say the series, which sees eight men and eight women dropped on an uninhabited Pacific island with just 24 hours of water supply, sparked 95 swear words. Many people were horrified, as you can well imagine. I mean, the, the language, 67 F-words, 23 shouts of an S-word and one C-bomb. I mean, it's just outrageous. It really is. I'm not a prude, but wouldn't find penguins swearing, would you? Wouldn't find penguins doing anything like that. Uh, Sean Pritchard said, sat down with the family watching the island, cannot believe the amount of swearing, really, no need, vile, spoilt the programme. However, it's uh, the other programmes. Mrs Brown's boys had 25 F-words in the first episode. (laughs) That's okay, really, for that, isn't it, really? I don't know. Is it acceptable? Is it acceptable? Big Brother, 73,000 complaints about language and behaviour. But they're just a bunch of drunk old tarts, aren't they? And that's the blokes. The women are even worse. Fear of flying. 25 swear words. Catherine Tate show. 
Ofcom investigated 2008 Christmas Day special. Game of Thrones had 126 swear words from seasons one to three. And Hell's Kitchen, 47 F-words. But that's Gordon... you expect that, wouldn't you, if you tune into Gordon Ramsay. I mean, here, we're like angels. Seriously, Mother Teresa would be proud of us here. We don't even let the B word be said on the programme. We're too polite for you. Because I don't think people want to hear that. Can you imagine turning on the radio and hearing the presenter swearing? Never hear it. Never hear it at all. I might say the word bother occasionally. <laughs> don't care, do I? Just come out right out with it. 14 to 6. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Hello. It's uh, Wednesday, the 30th of April. 30th of April, 30th of March. One more day to go. And uh, then we're into April showers. April showers. And uh, it's amazing how many people have loyalty to all the different uh, coffee shops. You know, it's it's the taste of the coffee, isn't it, that attracts you somewhere. So I know people who who will only go to, say, Costa. I know people who only go to Starbucks. Other coffee shops are available. And it's because you like the taste of the coffee. I mean, I'd, I don't know what... I couldn't tell you what coffee I'm drinking. I've seriously got no idea. Not a clue. Even if they told me it wouldn't, I, I could probably lose a million pounds. Uh, you see, Jane doesn't like Starbucks. She likes Costa. Other coffee shops are available. Because everybody likes different things about them, don't they? You like, you know, whether, whether people like you or whether they don't like you. And um, at the airport, it's Chris Lowry now. They've got an early flight this morning. They've packed up their life. And they've got... We're having a laugh the other day because I said, how many boxes have you got? He said, 80. They've got 80 boxes. And presumably they're going by a truck over to Spain. It could be one of these containers where... you And they've got a cat to go as well. I don't think the cat's going in the truck. And so the stuff will arrive over there and they'll, they'll have settled in later on today. And I think they're near... Where are they near? Are they Andalusia? I can't remember. Anyway, wherever it is, it'll be lovely. And hopefully the weather will be gorgeous and they'll have a nice time. But it's a big thing to do, isn't it? You see people doing it on the television where they say, I want to give up life here and I want to go and live abroad. And you think, that's a hell of an upheaval. It's a hell of an upheaval because you're literally packing up your life and taking it elsewhere. And uh, hopefully you'll be fitting in. And uh, they've, they've had a place out there for ages. And they like it. They like the lifestyle. It's very uh, inexpensive compared to here to live and uh, they just like it so I said how many boxes have you got he said 80 80 boxes <laughs> so they have to fit them into a flat where stuff go I think what they've done is packed everything up and then what they'll do is they'll sort there and then start throwing out things that they do not need so I know that they're at the airport now and so once they've uh, sort of settled in things will be uh, things will be uh, back to normal uh, they're very sad because they've left the house uh, for the last time so uh, you know I'm just I'm just sending Good wishes to them, because it's a big thing to do. Actually, the fact they made me laugh the other day. They were having chicken. They said they bought chicken, but they didn't want to heat it up, so they were going to have it cold. I said, why do you not want to heat it up? He said, we don't want to dirty the oven, because they've cleaned it. They've cleaned the oven so that the next people moving in can have it. Actually, my friend uh, Pordy, he's got an induction oven. He didn't know how it worked. I thought an induction oven comes on when you put the... Uh, the saucepan on it. It's got to be a certain saucepan, hasn't it? And you put it on there and it will only heat. So, in other words, it's cold to the touch. Cold, near, near, near Granada. They're near Granada. Granada. Sorry. <laughs> I could do the song for you, boys. I could do the song. But uh, I'd forgotten what time your flight was this morning. But uh, up early. And then you lock up the house and you go, ooh. You know, when you've lived somewhere for a long time, it's a bit of a wrench, isn't it? But just think, you're going for a new life. How exciting. New life. <gasps> they sold the house. 
They've just got to wait for the money to come through. <laughs> always, always a problem, but it must have done by now, which is great. So uh, have a nice flight. Hope the cat arrives in one piece. I'm sure it will. Do. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> They've now gone into a panic, I should imagine, over it. Uh, other stories in the papers. There's always stories about celebrities and page three girls and things like that. Or as I prefer to call them, the desperados. The people who go, they're going, I'm going to be famous. I'm going to be famous. I want to be famous. Everybody knows who I am. And you go, no, you're just a page three girl. You're just a page three girl. It's like the people who sort of go out with footballers, isn't it? I'm totally convinced, as we now know, that all these people hang around nightclubs and they just want to meet a footballer. Or failing that, somebody with money. I regularly visit London, Steve. I park up and uh, lose my ticket. Saves a small fortune. Well, how, how would that work, actually? And Losing your ticket? I mean, how would losing your ticket work? Because you still, you still get fined. It's an automatic fine, especially down in London. We're, we're very good at things like that. We don't, we, we don't put up with people telling lies. Definitely not. I only went into the bank once last year, Steve, to replace my debit card as it was snapping. Why would you have to do that? You just pick up a telephone. They can't do it in the bank. They can't make it in the bank. They have to send away from it. Apart from that, I do everything online. Do you remember the days when you sat there with a pen and paper trying to work out how much you had left in the bank? No. No, I never did that. <laughs> Strangely enough, I never did that. I used to get bank statements sent to me. And now I get bank statements sent for all the different accounts I've got. You know, we've got household account and bill paying and this is mortgage thing and all the rest of it. And so, but I know, I'd, but I couldn't tell you at any one time how much money I've got in the account. I leave my bank manager to tell me that. She will, she will check and she'll say, you've got this much in there. And that's that. And I, I try to be quite good. I try to be good. Um, you know, money, money management and Steve Allen don't necessarily go hand in hand. But I try and be good. Because, as we were just saying to the, uh, to the producer, even if I won a million pounds, it wouldn't, I don't think it would change me. I, I, I really don't think it would change me at all. I've, I've got everything I need. I've got a place to live. I've got a car. I've got a fridge with some Prosecco in it and some steak and things like that. And uh, last night I had green, green Thai curry. That was particularly nice. So there's nothing I, I can think of, actually. And uh, Tom says, come on a building site. The language is mainly the F word. Without that, the site wouldn't function. Really? Yes, I mean, I can, I can understand that. Mike says, people who curse only show their very limited vocabulary. Well, I've got a surprise for you. Uh, Princess Margaret, when she was alive, she swore like a trooper. Seriously, I mean, she, she really was. She, was, she used every, every bit of language under the sun. I mean, it was, it was really quite, uh, quite embarrassing. If, if you weren't one of those sort of people who was used to hearing bad language. She was, she, she was, quite, she was quite rude. Actually, in real life, she was quite rude, full stop, whether or not she used bad language, but, uh, but she did. But of course, it must sound terribly funny if it's somebody quite posh using rude words. Not think so. Uh, Elton John, uh, pictured here with his, uh, with his partner, David Furnish, and the kids. They were in Venice yesterday. Poor old Elton, he can't dress for toffee. So he's in Venice, actually, which is where my other producer has just gone. It must be quite cold over there. Elton's wearing a coat uh, with a big scarf and glasses. And, uh, and the kids are out. The kids look adorable. I mean, they really do absolutely look adorable. And obviously Elton and David are really close as a, as a couple. So they've got the nice family unit there. But now you've got the bodyguard who claims that Elton groped him while saying, get your what's it out. Uh, this guy says Elton forced himself on him during a car journey and grabbed his bits and buttocks. Court papers, also alleged the Rocket Man singer, says, say hello to Uncle Elton. I mean, 
To be honest with you, it's being heard in America. Nobody really cares about it over there. But it's uh, Elton says he's he's fighting it. It's absolutely ridiculous. And uh, and when you actually look at, uh, at what he's he's claiming for, I mean, you know, they do claim like this in America. They do claim for the most odd things. I can remember Rock Hudson. If you remember, there was a book uh, about Rock Hudson who was put on trial for having sex with his partner whilst knowing that he had the HIV virus. But he died. It didn't stop them putting him on trial. They just had an empty chair. And the court case started with, there is an empty chair here. Rock Hudson would have been sitting there had he still been alive. And they had a trial which proved that uh, Rock Hudson had had uh, sexual relations with his boyfriend at the time, knowing that he was HIV positive. So they put him on trial. They, I mean, you know, this is this is nothing new in America. They go for look at the William Shatner story. They go for huge amounts of money, hundred and twenty million, because you've said you were my father, and now they're saying no, he's not, and so they will go into court. And people do say the oddest things. People do say the oddest things. Even Liberace, Liberace was uh, was proclaiming his uh, his heterosexuality for ages and ages. And in fact, I watched an interview on uh, YouTube the other day with him and I think he was uh, he was on with Oprah Winfrey and he was looking quite quite ill by that time and uh, they just denied everything they didn't want anybody to know because it was from a different era nowadays Elton John can come out if, if you remember he was bisexual then he gets married to uh, to David they do that down in Windsor because that's where he lives he has a house down there and um, and times they are a changing Times they are changing completely. Now it doesn't make any difference if you hear a celebrity is gay or a celebrity is having extracurricular. Who cares? Who cares? To be honest with you, does it really make any difference to anybody's life? Would it change your opinion if one of your favourite celebrities was caught having a, having a fling with somebody? Would it make any difference? Of course it wouldn't. Why would it make any difference? only makes any difference to them and to their partner who's either got to put up with the embarrassment of it or the humiliation. But for everybody else, what's it? I couldn't care less what happens to people behind clothes. I mean, the producer might walk out of here and dress up as a penguin and go running down this. I don't know. I don't really care. I don't know anything about him. Well, I know where he comes from. Well, I don't even know the place he comes from. I just know the, you know, the continent. But I mean, I don't know anything about him. I don't know if he's, if he's religious. I don't know if he's sort of single. Well, I, I, yeah, I do know that bit. And uh, I mean, that's kind of par for the course, really, around here. And so, but I don't know anything about him. But it doesn't make any difference. Why would it make any difference? I work with him. He seems reasonably pleasant. You know, he seems OK. He smiles a lot. But I mean, that could be anything. Could be wind. I don't know. And so we, in which case, we get a kite, which is quite nice. So, but I, you don't know about people. He doesn't know anything about me. He probably knows a lot more now than he did before he started working with me, because I'm fairly open. I do, you know, I'm a radio presenter. You have to be honest about things, don't you? But I don't think, seriously, the more you read about celebrities in the, in the papers, whether or not it's supposed to worry us. You know, if a, if a married celebrity has a, has a fling or starts doing something that is away from the norm, why does it make any difference to us? Would it make any difference? I don't think so. It's not going to change my life. As I say, the only life it's going to change is their life. Uh, the mum assaults a volunteer as an Easter hunt runs out of eggs. The tragedy of that lady, so desperate to marry and then takes her own life because she can't find anybody. Uh, Wills and Kate, oh, they're off on holiday again. It's called, uh, they're sort of touring India. They'll have pictures outside the Taj Mahal, etc. Uh, the women who live with facial hair. Gazza explains his booze relapse and the men in the cancer test bid. For the under-40s, the fear of prostate cancer. It's LBC. On... Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. 
Anyway, nice to have you company. Welcome along. It's Wednesday, the 30th of March. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's LBC. We're sorting out uh, a connection at the moment, so uh, bear with me, bear with me. The 1.6 million migrants from the EU settling in Britain. That's quite a lot, actually. That's quite a lot indeed. Elton sued by this bodyguard over claims he groped him. The sad songs which lift us out of gloom. The mum who got very angry. She took her kids on an Easter egg hunt and they ran out of eggs. And so she assaulted one of the people there. Obviously not a very pleasant mother at all. Swear Grills, the reality show. We seem to get it on every programme. You don't luckily hear it on the radio. But on the television, we're living with swear words every bit of the day. And Paul Gascoigne explains his booze relapse again. William Shatner sued by a man who claims to be his uh, long-lost son. He wants £120 million. And the future of David Walliams, according to one of the papers, is uh, in doubt for Britain's Got Talent. I don't know why. Perhaps I don't know whether they're changing anything or whether they're thinking. I did say yesterday that I thought, actually, now we've, we've sort of brought back Dermot O'Dreary because there is nobody else. There seriously isn't. I mean, you know, awful though he was, he was certainly a lot better than the two who came in to replace him. It just didn't work. And the programme was losing its way. But where Simon needs to concentrate is they need to change the panel. You absolutely have to bring back, you know, the people that you got rid of before. You need to bring back Louis Walsh. You need to bring back Sharon Osbourne. You need to find one other person. Get rid of Cheryl. She knows nothing. It's an embarrassment to see somebody sitting there going, wait, wait, because you're worth it. Because I'm afraid none of them are worth it. And I want somebody who knows what they're talking about, not somebody who isn't in the music business. She just sits there looking like some Barbie doll and then she opens her mouth and we have to get translators in to understand what the heck she's on about. So let's bring somebody in. Who knows what they're doing? Mind you, over on The Voice, when it moves to ITV, apparently the story doing the rounds at the moment, whether it's true or not, I don't know, is that they want to bring in Robbie Williams to entertain you. Oh, good Lord above, how boring could that be? Can't they find anybody who's of the day? Not somebody from God knows how many years ago. Uh, Girls have uh, no truck with Jim. This is some poor man who can't find a girlfriend because of his love of lorries. He likes lorries. He collects lorries. To be honest with you, it's absolutely got nothing at all to do with his love of lorries. It's the fact that he's not very attractive. That's what it's got to do with. So they've got a picture of this poor bloke in his uh, in his bedroom. 17 years he's had an obsession with lorries. He collects lorries. He's got shelves full of lorries. And then you look at a picture of him and you think, of course he hasn't got a girlfriend. It's not very likely. He likes lorries. You know, he's more interested with lorries. However... As Nick Ferrari this morning is going to be talking about the people who spent hours trapped on that plane with a fake bomber, a man who was so delusional that uh, he wanted the plane to fly to Cyprus so he could see his girlfriend or ex-wife or whoever it is. And he's uh, an Egyptian citizen. He told the pilot of the Egypt uh, air that he had a bomb strapped to his waist. It was just... It was just phone covers, which he'd sort of put there. And it was a huge operation. I mean, I'm hoping that they'll have him in court and he'll be thrown in prison for about the next 25 years. Because in these days of heightened security, ha, 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 which is what Nick's going to be talking about, this man uh, was taking the Michael. And then somebody had a picture taken with him. I mean, even more stupid. But if proof were needed, Jane Moore, who you trust like Jane Moore says it, it's true. She went to Heathrow's Terminal 3 a good two and a half hours before their flight to America, in the full expectation that post-Brussels, the check-in area would be on high alert. You would imagine, wouldn't you? So two and a half hours they get there, they're going on a flight to America, you've got to check in early, because you go, because of Brussels, there's going to be really strict security checks. Not a bit of it, she says. 
along with hundreds of other passengers, we wandered unchallenged through the main door, queued with luggage-laden trolleys at the bag drop area. There wasn't a policeman or a sniffer dog in sight. She said, I don't know whether to be reassured or rattled. I would be rattled, finding out exactly where they were. And this was at Heathrow's Terminal 3. Perhaps they were on a lunch break or something. Perhaps they're not bothered. Perhaps they're really not bothered. Perhaps they couldn't care less. Perhaps they go, oh, no, it's so safe. But, you know, if you're queuing up with people with loads of luggage, who's checking them? The answer, nobody was checking them. Uh, There's also the story of a single mum facing jail. Another one of these stupid people that makes it into the papers. It beggars belief how they ever make it to adulthood. This one faked a pregnancy and abducted a nine-week-old baby in an evil bid to keep her lover, Kelly Marn, admitted in court kidnapping the tot as part of an elaborate plot to convince her on-off boyfriend, Dwight Dennis, it was theirs. She stalked a heavily pregnant Ghanaian woman, uh, pouncing nine weeks after she'd given birth. Marn went home and told the mum her partner had been in an accident. She then offered to look after her kids while the fraught mum went to find her other half. And then when the mum got back, she discovered that she'd uh, abducted the baby. I mean, quite clearly a particularly stupid person. And uh, so she's got to have psychiatric reports. There's more and more of these cases, aren't there? I mean, sometimes you read them and your mouth is on the floor. You can't believe that people are this dumb. But then, of course, I've seen the Jeremy Kyle show. I've seen people on television quiz shows who are so stupid. You, you really, you can't believe these people. Why do they even put themselves up for going on a programme? It's like all the people who go on the programme where they pretend they're looking for a house in the country or a place abroad. But just after being on the television, some of them have no intention of buying at all. They just want to get away and be on the television and be silly little show-offs. I can always predict at the beginning of each programme when they go, so which house do you really like? Oh, we think house two is for us. We're going to go and take another look. Sadly, they decided it was not for them. Having given you the load of old baloney that this was absolutely the most perfect place. Uh, now you've got people in the papers, you've got women with beards. Uh, because we had this the other day. Adele thought she was growing a beard. Well, some of these people uh, do. And in fact, one of them... And, and and you'll be looking at these at these as well. Uh, Miriam Mitbart from Bath writes a blog that celebrates female facial hair. She's appeared at a bearded lady in a circus. She's single and has a 31-year-old son. She's 51 and she's got a beard because she doesn't, uh, she doesn't trim it. Uh, the one with a full beard is Harnam Kaur who's a body positivity campaigner from Slough. She had facial hair as a child and was bullied. She's single and uh, her beard has just grown and she hasn't bothered to take it off for reasons best known to herself. It's a, it's a bit of a, an East European look, I suspect. It's, it's, uh, it's sort of strange pictures, as you will discover in the paper. Here's the British tourist. This is Mrs Brown. This is Susan Brown, snapped at an Easter vigil mass on Madeira. She's uh, she's in a church. This is the woman who threw herself into the water and tried to swim to her cruise ship. I know. We all thought about her yesterday. She was rescued by fishermen a third of a mile offshore. She mistakenly thought that her husband was on the ship. Her air-filled handbag helped keep her afloat. She comes from Shaftesbury. She's been given psychiatric checks after recovering from exhaustion. Staff refused to comment. And then Mr Brown said at his home, I don't want to talk about it. My wife's been ill. And that kind of covers it. That kind of covers the fact that you've got to go out there and rescue a woman who quite clearly has got psychiatric problems. I mean, nobody... She goes to a prayer meeting and then she jumps into the water and starts to swim after the ship. Doesn't make it... You know, you know maybe a telephone? Only, only guessing. Perhaps it should have been. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. 
And uh, apparently, James says, the people who bank with Metro Bank can get a new debit card in the branch while they wait. It's very good service. But it only takes a few days to get one through the post anyway. Why would Metro Bank be any different from anybody else? I mean, I've, I don't understand people who break their cards. Very odd, actually. Um, we are checking on the, uh, on the app at the moment. The crackly problem. I know I've got loads and loads. Somebody says you sound as though you're underwater. Do I? I can't do. And uh, somebody says, I think it's my... I don't think it's my device. Somebody said you could uh, tune in uh, on AM. And uh, and you can get it uh, there, apparently. Change location to LBC News. The sound is fine on that one. So if, uh, if you're really getting it badly at the moment, change it to LBC News. And, uh, and that should be OK. If you didn't hear that, you'll just have to wait till we've uh, we've sorted out the other little problem. Uh, the story, which is sad, and it's a tragedy, really, of a of a of a lady called uh, Danielle Saul, and she was a bridesmaid who longed to get married. Uh, four of her friends tied the knot, and she hasn't. She became depressed. I said that she was disturbed, uh, so she saw her pals get hit. She lived alone with her cat. She was invited to hen parties and asked to be a bridesmaid but uh, confided to her best friend that she felt like dying. Her mum told the inquest uh, quite a number of her friends were getting married, and I think she got overloaded with these things. She had a couple of long-term relationships, one about five years, that broke up, but she still had feelings, and then she got a cat. Now, you know, once you get a cat, you're devoted to the cat. It's difficult. But, I mean, she was so... They say it was a cry for help, but uh, quite clearly nobody was listening because she ended up dying, and so they also say that the full outcome of her actions could have been... Uh, down to alcohol as well, because people get very, very depressed. I mean, it's it's a big thing, isn't it, if you actually decide that you're going to do something like that. There's always somebody to talk to. You know, she had friends, they got married, and uh, and she just got depressed about it. And once she got herself into that state, there was no turning back. But they say that alcohol was a contributing factor to her, uh, to her ending her own life. Uh, Steve... Uh, says CJ, if that dumb guy wanted asylum in Cyprus or anywhere, I think having hijacking a plane on his CV has kind of blown it. Yes, I mean, I, I agree. Uh, and I, I think he should be locked up. Locked up and, uh, and, and, and sort of and kept there for a long, long time. Make it so much easier. Uh, what's this? Sam Smith? What's happened here? Uh, the Slimline star pulls a hot model. They're trying to um, sort out, aren't they, really? Um, Sam Smith... And his other half, uh, this one here, his latest love interest may prove more of a handle because this bloke is called Jay. He's found fame. Oh, this is this boring person as the bisexual party boy who's been linked with Stephanie Davis, Kieran Richardson and Chloe Maidley. Oh, God, honestly. I mean, the worst people you could ever, ever think of in living memory. How embarrassing. It's just, I'm afraid, somebody trying to drag... It's fame by association. Read my book. Did I mention a book? Um, I have one called So You Want to Be a Celebrity, and fame by association plays a big part. In other words, find somebody to go out with who's more famous than you are, and then sell the story. And this poor little creature here uh, is obviously trying to sell a story. I mean, honestly, the three of the people he's allegedly been out with, how dreary. God, I mean, three of the most boring people you could ever find. Uh, 6.15, LBC News Time. Latest headlines for you this morning with Eleanor Noakes. Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Uh, for those people uh, who are having difficulty, we've got a, a problem at the moment with the uh, with the app. Uh, you can go on to AM. Just go into the app and change it to LBC News, 
OK, LBC News. And uh, and then you get the last ten minutes of the programme. So sorry about that. It's just a, it's a computer glips or blip, whatever they call it at the moment. So go on and uh, go to LBC News and you'll hear it perfectly. OK. Uh, what was I going to say? I was going to say something very important. I've completely forgotten it was, actually. Something about... Uh, oh, yes, Noreen uh, said, um, I don't think the extra podcast went on yesterday. Yes, it did. Yes, we've just checked and thousands and thousands... Of, uh, of downloads. Yes, it was, it was definitely on yesterday. Definitely. In fact, that's the first one that goes up. So uh, sometimes you need to reboost your system, sort of go on and re, re sort of put it in again. Uh, and Sally, belated happy birthday. So belated happy birthday from Noreen and from, uh, from everybody else. Uh, very quickly, oh, a lot of people is it listening in music. Uh, listening, sorry, listening in music. <laughs> I think lost in music. Uh, listening in Munich, says Joanna. You do sound like you're broadcasting from the bottom of a swimming pool. But uh, go to LBC News, OK? LBC News, you get it there. Oh, dear, you're going to get withdrawal symptoms today. Uh, and say, Mark as well, don't don't worry about it. Lorraine, don't worry. She said, I'm glad it's not just me. Uh, Paul and uh, everything else. Uh, Steve, in Newbury Park, the traffic lights are out of sync, says Michael. Uh, Carl, yes, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Paul Gascoigne, I must do the Paul Gascoigne story because I'm, I'm a bit bored with Paul Gascoigne, full stop. Uh, this is a man who's been sectioned twice, gone into rehab seven times, and he's still drinking. So he now claims that his bloody, bloody, as in bloody on his face, booze-fuelled meltdown was just a blip. Hell of a blip. The Wayward England star... Uh, actually, disaster, really, admitted he was not perfect after smashing up his face in a fall during a junk, drunken relapse. He told well-wishers he was trying his best always in his battle with alcohol problems, but uh, obviously failed miserably. So he was seen clutching a bottle of gin outside his home. And, as I say, hell of a blip, falls over, damages himself, and uh, he then vanished, sparking a missing person investigation, reappeared two and a half hours later, checked over by paramedics. He's beginning to become a bit of a liability to himself. He says, I've done really well for 11 months. I have one blip and I get hammered for it. No, you got hammered. We're not interested. I couldn't care less, actually. You can drink yourself into oblivion. You know, how many more times do you need to be helped in rehab? And the answer is probably for the rest of your life because you're what's coming known as needy. We can't do anything about it. I can't stop you drinking. They can't do anything. I've often thought, actually, when they go into these rehab places, if you can hypnotise people to stop people smoking, can you hypnotise people to not drink again? Would it be possible to do that? I mean, I'm sure that, you know, if I had a chat to various people that I know, like Paul McKenna, I mean, I'm just asking next time I see him, actually, whether or not it would be possible, if you can stop somebody smoking and stop them overeating, can you stop somebody drinking? Would that be, uh, would that be possible? It'd be nice to think that it, uh, that it would be, wouldn't it? Uh, 84850. Oh, oh, thank you. Oh, somebody says it's, uh, it's back to normal. So uh, that could be good. Somebody says, when are we banning cycling? I don't know, actually. Do you think we should ban... I think cycling in London is dangerous. I don't know what it's like the rest of the country, but I, I seriously think it's, uh, it's a bit dangerous here. I have cycled in London. I have had a Boris bike before. And to be brutally honest with you, you fear for your life. Fear for your life. Front pages of the papers, before we finish the programme for this morning. Uh, on the front of the sun, Pest Elton groped me. As I say, this is a very odd story, because Elton's very much uh, a family man. You know, there's him and David, and they've got the two kids. I would find that difficult to believe. I mean, that wouldn't be... Would that be in keeping with Elton? Has it, we've never had anything like this before. Uh, also, the Brit selfie with a suicide belt hijacker. This is some poor creature called Ben Innes, who posed alongside a maniac, well, a delusional, who threatened to detonate a suicide belt. He said uh, uh, when the man surrendered, he said, I'm not sure why I did it. 
The incident sparked new fears of lax Egypt airport security. Come to Heathrow. You can walk straight through, according to Jane Moore. No policemen, no sniffer dogs, no nothing in Terminal 3. She wasn't sure whether to sort of give him a round of applause or sort of worry about it. I'd worry about it, to be honest with you. Hi, Jackass. Hi, Jackass, say The Sun. That's their front page. Uh, the Mirror, say hello to Uncle Elton. What the star is accused of saying to a bodyguard who's suing for assault. It's amazing, actually, that he's these sort of groping allegations. Do you think people see somebody as being rich and think, well, they're sort of ripe for it, aren't they? Uh, the grinning Brits pick with a suicide vest hijack who returned out to be a simpleton and uh, went there to go and see his wife. That, uh, as I say, lock him up for 20 years, and then at least we'll be seeing the end of that. The Daily Star front page I can't do. Um, because I just can't. And the uh, the Daily Express today is the secrets behind the real Rowan Atkinson. I should imagine a depressive. I should imagine so. Great, great comics are always people who seem to be either very deep in thought or, you know, they're not as happy or they drink or whatever it happens to be. So they've got the secrets of him. Like, like anybody cares. Uh, also, you pay for Roma Gypsy Palaces. Another reason to quit the EU, say the Daily Express. They're all living in the lap of luxury over there. Gypsy Palaces. And uh, all they do is they come over here. They reckon 300 mansions in one small Romanian town alone. They've just come over here and milk the system and then fly back again, take all the money back. It's as simple as that. We're probably sending money over there. We send money all over the place. You know, it's going to bankrupt us, I should imagine, because there's no way of stopping this. At any way, shape or form. I can't uh, quite see it. Joan Collins from Dynasty to Holiday Camp star. She's going to Hopton-on-Sea. She's been booked for a one-night appearance at a holiday village in Norfolk. Joan is 82, ladies and gentlemen. 82. And uh, here at Potter's Resort, they're offering £139 one-night dinner break. And um, there's a question-and-answer session as well. Potter's is a, a family... I think Britain's last family-owned village. Most uh, visitors come from nearby Essex. Uh, We're not a holiday camp, says the owner, John Potter. We're a five-star resort in the Rolls-Royce of holiday centres. We're very proud to be hosting Joan Collins. She's a legend. So there you go. So uh, she's 82. She's a bit sort of like Barbara Windsor. She doesn't look at all her age. Some people just defy age. And those two ladies and a few others. Uh, There's one here, the foreign crooks inside the paper, who get the uh, free pass. This man here... Uh, got benefit fraud, £114,000, and he spent it on a nine-bedroom property in Romania. Because it's so easy to fiddle the benefits over here. It's really so... And, and then when they finally get them, they don't send them to prison. They just go, you're very naughty. And that's about as far as it goes. It's all a bit feeble and pathetic, actually. I can only assume it must be the people in the benefits office. I mean, surely they can see through some of these fraudsters, but quite clearly not. Uh, the Daily Mail have a story about a man texting a page three girl. It's a draft letter to an agony aunt. I don't know what you're going to make of that one. And uh, the 1.6 million migrants from the EU settle- settling in Britain. That's equal to populations of Manchester and Birmingham combined in just nine years. Uh, Elton, the Elton John story runs in uh, in all of the papers, but I say, let's, uh, we'll have to wait and see what uh, what goes with that one. The Metro, ex-minder, sues sex pest Elton. Singer put his hand in my trousers, claims bodyguard. Dear, I'm, I'm not sure we're really up to this at this time of the morning, are you? I mean, I'm not too sure whether or not my, my little brain can take it all in. Um, uh, Uncle Elton twisted my nipple in car. I mean, I didn't think we'd be reading these sort of things at all. And uh, and the Royals, the Taj visit in the footsteps of Diana. They've never mentioned this before, but of course now it comes up to the anniversary, 20 years, I think. Uh, they're going to be going because Diana was there in 92. And the visit to India and Bhutan starts on April the 10th. For what reason? I've got no idea. Just another jolly for the royal family. Uh, plus... 
who's this one here? Body shamers apologise for insulting Wentworth, my mental struggle by Prison Break star. I read that earlier on, actually. I didn't understand it then. I don't understand it now. And pack trains. That happens every day. I got on a train. Actually, luckily, I got on a train the other day. And as Brian and Lenny will tell you, uh, the trains were really empty the other day because the kids were on holiday. But there was a train coming to town which was packed. Well, most of them are packed. You don't get a seat on a train anymore, do you? They appear not to exist. You just have to, uh, you just have to sort of make the best of it. You get on at the right place, you can get a seat. But if you don't, you can't. And the new day. Uh, Harvey Proctor talking about his life ruined. Theresa May should quit. And uh, the latest uh, brainwave to improve our kids' development. Toddler tutors. Save the children calls for qualified teachers in every nursery. And that, as they say, is about it this morning. Thank you very much indeed for your company. We will have a free podcast up for you. Up and uh, goes up every day. If we have a problem with it, then we always know about it first. So it's definitely there. So panic not, panic not. And hopefully we'll all be back to to normal in the sound quality department. Okay, Uh, I'll be back with you at four o'clock tomorrow morning. You can follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show. And you can download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment so that you can listen to LBC whenever you want wherever you are. Leading Britain's conversation at seven, it's Nick Ferrari. He's going to be looking at that security. I hope uh, he uh, remembers that bit from Jane Moore, that she went to Terminal 3 and there was no security at all. But uh, Nick will be with you after the morning news, which is coming up next with Lisa Aziz.